0: A Muppet Family Christmas will continue in a moment. Constructs. You build. Constructs. Power. Batteries not included. Constructs. You build. Constructs. Control.
1: Constructs. Action. Constructs. New power creations. Constructs from Fisher Price.
0: Hey Blake, do you hear that? That's the sound of money. Sound of silence. It's I think I heard reindeer on the roof. I think I heard the pity patter of either reindeer or really big rats. I'm hoping it's, it's reindeer. Right it's the raccoon in the attic. It's the raccoon in the attic. I love the raccoon in the attic. His name is Ricky. It was a great uh, child's book. The raccoon in the attic? <laughs>
1: the raccoon in the attic.
0: <laughs> is, are you being serious? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going like, yeah. You know, I, I must have missed the raccoon in the attic. That's the one the I'm attic. working on
1: after the next score-to-death book. I've a Ra- children's book called The raccoon in so the So there's attic.
0: not a raccoon in the attic. Now you uh, yeah. got me. You got Oh, okay, you got me. The old raccoon. We can tell, we'll edit this out. Be like, do you remember growing up, Blake? <laughs> I went to my local library and getting the old raccoon in the attic. He got stuck in the attic and he couldn't see because he forgot his eyeglasses. And then it was a learning experience that by the end of it, he learned that he shouldn't go places where he's not supposed to trespass. And even though he ended up being okay, he should always wear his glasses when he goes out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one, wasn't it? Luckily, he didn't wish himself away like the wishing tree, or the giving tree. <laughs> oh, the giving tree. Oh, jeez. give me stars. I know, I know. So, uh, but my point was, I thought I heard reindeer on the top of the the the, the, uh, the old attic, uh, since we're in the attic. I heard the old <laughs> attic roof, you know? So. Uh, it must mean only one thing. Yes, it is t- it tis the season to be merry with the Saturday night sleepover gang. Uh, over there on my right, Sitting next to me in the uh, Pink Panther... Um, uh, <laughs> he's right, he's right in there in Get, the... Getting uh, comfy in the insulation. <laughs> in the
1: insulation. Just don't eat it. Don't eat it. Is, uh, it's not cotton. cotton candy. Yeah, it's Jay Blake. Happy to be here, as always. And, of course, sitting to my left on uh, the old trunk yeah, oh. that the cursed... Vigiliquist dummy is housed in.
0: From last week's episode, <laughs> on two two-by-fours with my head precariously up against the eave and a
1: big old nail. <laughs> Almost right in your eye. Yeah. I just, just can't move turn. or laugh. Don't look at me, Dion. Yeah, don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. Ow. You know, why Why
0: do you have to put shingles in a roof with nails that are 20 inches long? It's like a railroad uh, spike. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm Dion Baya. That's me over here. And that- together... When we come together with our bracelets and we put them together when our parents go to bed, we become Saturday <laughs> night sleepovers. The only podcast. The only one that features...
1: Dion and J. Blake. And
0: Jay Blake. Remember that, people, party people in the place. And we are in December already. How fast? I was yesterday still in Halloween mode. And then uh, Thanksgiving crept up on me and hit me over the head. And then now... Um, I'm limping a little bit and I'm back here and it's Christmas already. It's already Christmas.
1: And, and then it'll be 2020. Yeah.
0: I'm Hugh Downs and I'm <laughs> Papa Wattos and this is 2020. Uh, and it's crazy because uh, I'm still, I got my head in the Summer of Sequels. I'm still thinking like we got sequels to do, Blake. <laughs> but we got novels to read. And
1: you're I like, man, calm down. I guess calm technically down. this is a sequel. I didn't really think of it that way. Oh,
0: you're right. This is a sequel. <laughs> Blows the mind. It is. A, it is technically a sequel. It
1: is not the sequel to not, the original. It's Not the direct sequel. But it is a sequel. It, it is a sequel. And oddly enough, watching it today, uh, I noticed that there's a lot of connections with recently. Recent movies we've done,
0: yeah, ain't that weird?
1: <laughs> and you know what? Sure. You don't
0: know which way we can maybe even make an argument on this show that this these sequels could be like the Indiana Jones movies, where they're all out of order. So for all we know, this could be the the you know the that uh, we haven't even said what we're doing yet. But that summer they could have went on the first vacation, and then this could be that Christmas. This could be, and then like that next year in the spring is when they get the trip to go to uh, Europe. And then when they get back, that's when they're like, shit, the next summer, let's go to Vegas. This could
1: be the first one, for all we
0: know. This could be the prequel to the (laughs) sequel. This could be like their Temple of Doom. I mean, we're breaking new ground here. Listen, it's an an unorthodox edition, but... My mom, she got out of the uh, cupboard a little mulled wine. We heated that up, put an orange in there. We had a little bit of that. It was nice and hot and toasty. Then Blake decided he wanted to microwave some hot chocolate because, you know, we were in the festive mood because yeah. we were getting ready to trim the tree at my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we didn't get to trimming the tree. Maybe we'll do that next episode. But we had to, you know, we had to sit down and watch a movie. So we're a little funky right now because we're just so high and happy and with life. But tonight... Mm-hmm. It is the holiday season, after all. That is right. You're right, right. And tonight we are doing a classic, a modern classic, which is celebrating
1: a 30th anniversary this year. And it's an anniversary <laughs> movie. Ooh, <laughs> ow, oh, ow, ah. This movie Watch is that nail <laughs> for me. This movie is like you with uh, Roger Rabbit, and that I'm. If you asked me yesterday, yeah. What year did this movie came out? I'd be like,
0: 88. Yeah, I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say 88. Yeah, it is an 88, 80. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird, the blurry lines. This week, we are doing the, uh, the viewer audience favorite, the cult classic. Uh, we tallied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pulled. We took a Quinnipiac <laughs> poll, a Rass poll, and we put them all together and we polled ourselves to death. <laughs> and we got, we're doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. From 1989 from 1989 starring uh, chevy chase uh uh what's beverly d'angelo a whole slew of people john galicki john galicki um, juliette lewis uh, uh william hickey from tales from the dark side uh e.g marshall e.g marshall from creep show we got a lot of people repeating on here uh the uh, not Dennis uh, Quaid, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, Brian, what is it? Brian Murphy. Dennehy. <laughs> Brian Dennehy. He keeps <laughs> wanting us to just turn around and go out of his town. Uh, no, we get, uh, what's his face? Doyle Murray. Yeah, Brian Doyle Murray. No relation to uh, Bill Murray, but they're, they are. <laughs> but actually they are related. <laughs> but they are related. I'm sorry. I, we got to cut down on the jokes. So we got a lot of people in this movie. And uh, this is a movie I saw in the theater.
1: I did too, which is why I thought it was 88.
0: Yeah, and it was, um, if you look at then the, the greater scheme of things, you had the summer of 89, which we regale all the time, the summer of Batman, Batman, And you had, you know, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you had Lethal Weapon 2, you had, um, I think Little Mermaid is out at this time, you had uh, Batman, of course, you had Last Crusade, you had Batman, you You had uh, Star Trek 5, you had Batman, (laughs) you had uh, had Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I said Honey, I Shrunk the Kids already, Look Who's Talking. Uh, I was 89? Yeah, because the reason I remember those is that uh, my cousin and I, we went to the movies, my mom and my aunt brought us to the movies. And then they let my cousin and I go to a movie on our own. And we went to see Christmas Vacation. And my mom and my aunt took my sister and uh, my other cousin, the, uh, my f- cousin's sister, the two girls. They went to either see uh, Little Mermaid or Honey I Shrunk uh, or um, who, Look Who's Talking.
1: Look at this stuff, <laughs> isn't it neat? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: you, 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 you're, you're pulling my, you're jerking my chain there, <laughs> like You know I'm gonna start singing. Well, what, what year? What year?
1: What year was Home Alone? Nineteen ninety. Okay, so the reason why I think that this came out in eighty eight mm-hmm. is because uh,
0: no, m- is it yet ninety or ninety one? Is Home Alone?
1: Because we moved. My mom got remarried and we moved up to Albany.
0: Uh, which you can go check out the Karate Kid. We talk about more about that.
1: And oh, that and had to be that. that had to be like late summer of eighty eight. No, of Home Alone nineteen ninety. Home Alone two nineteen ninety two. 80. It had to be 88 because then the following summer is when Batman came out. 89, June 89. So, my brother came up for one visit, and all the years we lived in days. <laughs> one fucking visit. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're not going to relive the past. He did come up for my. Uh, he came up for my, gra- my high school graduation. Okay. But he came up once. Baker's dozen to visit. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I assumed, in my head and my memory, was that it was the first. Christmas that we were in that new house which would have been 89 or which 88? would have been 88 the summer of cops but we but he and I went to and crime of the future time but he and I went to go see this movie so it must have been the following year because this was released December the 1st
0: 1989 uh, so it must have been during that Christmas season that uh, yeah he came up that Christmas so summer Christmas of 89, which I'm trying to think of. what That was all Batman hell. I mean, I got a crap load of Batman. Yeah. 88, I got cops. So
1: I assumed it was our first Christmas, but apparently it was our second Christmas that he came up. Well, you visit. guys were still getting your footing up there, putting
0: stuff together and all that, but Batman was huge in 89 at that point. I remember Honey, I Short, the Kids was big, and that kind of makes sense because I was in fifth grade in 89 to 90, and I remember the summer of... Nineteen ninety, I don't know why, but I remember like the, the poor kid, Ryan White, I think his name was, he died of yeah, AIDS, HIV. Yeah. yeah. That was really in the news at the time. This is also when Jim Henson, as well as Sammy Davis Jr. Died within like days of each other. Uh, Dean Martin's kid I remember dying that was really tragic in the Air Force accident but I remember the first time I ever encountered pay-per-view was because um, Look Who's Talking was showing up on pay-per-view and that must have been because it just got out of the theater in the spring of uh, 1990
1: and do you know who directed Look Who's Talking? Who's who directed Look Who's Talking? <laughs> uh, it was Amy Heckerling oh, who okay. directed European Vacation
0: well, so that's all kind of uh, we're a little connected there
1: we're all connected yeah so
0: um this is interesting because uh, a little uh, trip down memory lane is that I remember, which is, it's, it's weird because everything, when you start chronologically car- carbon dating everything, you realize how odd your memory is that like, you know, I'm born 1979. I remember being in kindergarten and I remember looking up at the windows, thinking about John Carpenter's The Thing and Man. the character's name was Windows. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to myself, this is 1984. I knew the date. <laughs> So that's 84. <laughs> this is
1: September 7th, 1984.
0: 1984. But I remember being in kindergarten, be that being 84. And then I remember going to our first video store, like where we would go get the black hole and stuff like that. Yeah. And I remember the layout of that video store where it was very like you'd walk in and you, you know, it was kind of like best video. If you remember when I used to take you to best video the Hamden uh, location where, you know, it was, it was kind of like almost bookcases that are like kind of up to maybe chest height and you'd walk mm-hmm. around the sections. So I'm little, so I'm walking around. I remember like I'd go buy an end cap, which must have been the new releases. And on the end cap would be that... A European vacation cover and you know when you're a little kid you look at it it's almost like Frank Vazette uh, ish yeah. you know where it's like him uh, Chevy Chase as the strong man like it's almost like replicating the Conan and he's holding something like maybe mm. suitcases and Beverly Angels looking really hot underneath and all then those
1: same that style was then you know Army of Darkness yeah. as opposed to like that and even Mallrats is a take on that that style of poster
0: yeah so like looking at that as a kid I remember being, like, really, like, almost seduced by it. I was like, wow, because it looks almost sexy with her half If I remember correctly, she was, like, half-clothed, and there's people. I was like, you know. And, that, and to think that only came out in 85. So that must have got, got out on uh, video really quickly. And I'm seeing that then, but I thought it was much younger. And what the funny thing is, too, is you walk up to pay at the counter. And I remember, you get to the counter, and if you turned around when you were at the counter and looked at the, at the videos that were closest to the counter that only, like, you could see looking that way at the little racks, yeah. it was all pornos. You know and I was I remember looking at turning and like looking at like it was like, I was like what? Die? I was, like, a little close to <laughs> my mom would grab me and I would come back you know and she'd bring me back over so I remember like you know I guess it was before the portal section the guy can keep an eye on you because you're right by the desk so well, uh,
1: I don't remember ever seeing the first one like I know I've seen it at some point I don't remember when the first one I remember seeing is European Bacon. vacation now, see that's funny because I remember seeing
0: the first one when I was little on and you know this the the beats and the parts of it, I never really remembered seeing European Vacation except the, the clips of like, oh, honey, Parliament, you know, going around the roundabout in London. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until five or six years ago I did a retrospective where I watched, uh, you know, them in order. Um, so that might have been the first time in thirty years I'd actually watched the second one front to back as well as the first one straight through front to back yeah so but i always had memories of the second one but you know growing up we knew you know spies like us all this stuff fletch um uh, what's the great movie with uh with him and um with goldie hahn it has like my oh, uh, uh lights something lights out lights might off have done,
1: off he might have done more than one but with goldie but it's the one with
0: it's my favorite scene in the world with dudley moore cameos you know that one, yeah and, yeah, and she's being chased by the albino, and yeah. So if you didn't put me in the spot, I wouldn't know. Something night lights out, noises off. Um, <laughs> that noises off a great movie, no, that's not it. But anyway, so I knew who Chevy Chase was. So by the time Christmas Vacation comes out, like seeing that, I remember seeing that poster, or and then seeing and seeing the trailer in the movies. Well, it's funny
1: because I feel like Spies Like Us was
0: huge. Yeah, but it wasn't for me. But like, I, I kind of like, just it. remember like it was too sophisticated for me. So I watched and I didn't really care for it. Funny enough. You but wanna you, you know the my, first my
1: point is only like you never hear anybody talk about it now. But I remember when it was out, it seemed like it's such a big Well somebody sale. just corrected
0: us because I guess, um, since I haven't seen it in so long, Bob Hope has a cameo in spies like us. And I was saying how uh, according to IMDB the last time I looked it up a couple of years ago, uh Bob Hope's last movie technically was the Muppet movie, but that's him playing an ice cream vendor. So I don't know if they're counting him playing himself. So uh Spies Like Us was just brought up, but the last time I watched Spies Like Us all the way through, I was at the Marriott Hotel in Boston, and I was sitting there, and there was something on, and I watched it front to back, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a little weird, you know?
1: Um, There's a slight chance my dad took us to see European Vacation in the theaters, but I'm almost positive it's more... That we rented it, yeah, probably at the Rite Aid, which I've sure. discussed. <laughs> yes, you had, yeah, the Great Rite Aid,
0: which we've talked uh, about. I just
1: remember it. I just have like very specific memories of seeing it. Um, European
0: or, vacation. European vacation. Yeah.
1: Eric Idle's
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Foul play. Foul play. Yes.
1: Was with uh, Goldie Hawn. Yeah,
0: fabulous. uh, One of the greatest (laughs) Dudley Moore cameos ever. Because my
1: brother loved Fletch.
0: You know, Fletch for me. uh, Full disclosure: I'd never seen when I was little, and then I watched it uh, when it was when I worked at the video store. I brought it home, and I just couldn't get into it. And I (laughs) should really give it a second chance. It was um, never my movie And but I never I know, read the book you I know, know my brother liked it a lot Well it was huge When it came out Fletch, Fletch Lives I know the book series Was rather famous For a while I remember they were talking About Kevin Smith Was going to remake it With Jason Lee I remember that being a rumor
1: He always wanted to do Another one Yeah I was like I don't know how many books There are but he, but he always wanted to make like not remake Fletch, I don't think, but like make a third yeah. Fletch movie,
0: like they do with Jack Ryan, and just recast it. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, I saw nothing but trouble in the theater. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I I wonder what other Funny Chevy Farm G- Funny Har- Funny Farm is classic, which I think is a remake, right? Where they're
1: built. Well, it's like it's kind. Of, well.
0: No, oh, no, I'm thinking of Money, Money Pit, Pit, Pit yeah. is a remake. Yeah, That's yeah. That's the Mr. Blanding's. It builds, yeah, builds his dream house, yeah. Uh, um, but it's just so Chevy Chase has always been around. Caddyshack was Caddi- big for my dad. My yeah. Uh, Caddyshack was another one that I didn't really get into when I was little, uh, maybe because it was a sports thing or whatever. Um, but, you know, that was also, yeah, people loved it. And, uh, you know, he, he, Ghostbusters, even though Chevy Chase isn't in Ghostbusters, that was huge. Uh well that almost sounds seems like something he should have been in as as like a third or fourth, you know. Wouldn't you can't you just see him in a Ghostbusters outfit? You know? <laughs> it
1: does seem like there was a missed opportunity.
0: Standing next to Eddie Murphy playing Winston, you know. And of
1: course, not too long after, some point when in our youth, Chevy Chase had a short-lived late night talk show.
0: Yes, I do, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so it's like so he's always been around. So by the time I remember going, to this is when I was little. I used to go to the movies quite a bit, maybe twice a month. You know, you know, with my family or with my friends, uh, with my dad. And I remember seeing a trailer for this. And you know, you got I think what's his say is uh, Percy Rodriguez. I think Shelley. Is, the, is the great uh, Percy Shelley <laughs> is the great voiceover. He does all those. You know, he's that really uh, unique uh, narrator. So he did, He voiced the the, the, the trailer. And it looked great, you know. And I was like, I can't wait. And I remember going to see this. And I remember, I remember the beats in the theater of, of the, the, the beginning and the parts and the end. Like I remember how much I was, you know, I was eating my popcorn all the way through, going to the, you know, eating the cardboard. Yeah. I was so into this movie.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing it. Like I said, my brother and I went and saw it. I can picture the theater. So I'm gonna say that it, we went to see it. Maybe Latham. New York, Latham Circle Mall. Latham Circle po- Mall! <laughs> possibly. Because <laughs> I could still picture the theater. It wasn't a big room. It wasn't like a big theater. But, yeah, I remember going to see it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this has developed to be a, you know, I feel like there's a couple of staples from our childhood that have developed to be, like, classics. But then you Maybe also... Of the,
0: of the holiday persuasion. Yeah, of, like, a
1: holiday classic. But then you, you wonder, like... Trying to think of like holiday movies that didn't, you know, you figure there's only like a really like a new Christmas movie every couple of years. Well, I'll give you one. <laughs> what, what what's the one that never, sadly, never succeeded? In, I think it's in... a.
0: Th- this is excluding our audience, probably, but I th- I would think in the general pra- of the of the casual uh, holiday movie watcher. Same year this came out, 1989, Prancer. Okay, You yeah. know, Prancer came out, and Prancer was for something for a while you couldn't find on DVD, and I found that, like, on a two-pack. And I, I, I think the other movie was maybe a family, uh, you know, a family channel network or, sure. like, a Hallmark channel thing, and it was a two, so I got Prancer. <clears> and uh, and I remember that being a very sad story, too. Like, you know, so it's like, that's a uh, like I remember having well, a sad ending. It seems
1: like the ones that stand the test of the times are the ones that are, like, real family movies. And also... Like, ones that... You know the parents. There's like humor or whatever that the parents can enjoy, and the kids can like it too. Whereas something a prancer is probably more geared specifically towards children. Yeah, and at least it's with a little
0: girl and the. In, yeah, I think Sam Elliott's like in this, a, and like Home Alone
1: has, you know, Joe Pesci and sure. uh, Daniel Stern, and. Um or Elf, is, for instance, is like a more modern. Movie yeah, that, that has sound.
0: solidified itself as a classic. Uh, we early on this podcast covered Ernest Saves Christmas, which was a classic maybe for our listeners. But like we talked about in that episode, I don't know if after into the late 90s, Ernest P. Worrell has sustained himself. So that could be lost to the sands of time. Um, certainly there's tons of older movies that we've talked about in other Christmas episodes that yeah. um you know that no people may know the cinephile but I feel like you know since they haven't been remade like the bishop's wife or something where people may not know or the or like you know shop around the corner people may not know what they are now people always know it's a Chris, uh, it's a wonderful life or scrooge or the corner is
1: not like you got mail? Isn't that a remake of Shop yeah, Around I think the it, Corner? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it might be. I mean,
0: you got mail is very similar to like Sleep us in Seattle. But you're right, they do do they work for each other in, in
1: and yeah, he has well, a, she yeah, has a little bookstore and he's like the son of the guy that started like.
0: Oh yeah, Barnes and Noble. You're Obel-ish. right. Yeah. Or in Shop Around the Corner, it's that they work at the same general store but they're writing letters to each other and, and emailing like a, yeah, emailing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Three. You
0: got mail, do you got you know. Um so you know there's movies like that or it happened on fifth avenue there's you know a lot of great classics but you're right there's there's some movies that there's a a dynamic there that instantly become them make them classics for our, our generation and again for full disclosure like the blues song um uh, uh i can't quit you baby it's like this was a movie where I loved it so much for a time, I had to put it down for a while because there was an era there on AMC and stuff where it was playing every night. Yeah. Every night at 8 o'clock, they would play it through the entire season. So it got to a point with this and Christmas Story where I couldn't watch them because they were on all... I would turn the TV on, it would be on at a different time or a different part of the movie. So there was maybe 10 or 15 years where I avoided this movie, Christmas Vacation, because it was just...
1: Well, watching it tonight... um, before we get into, like, the specifics of the movie and all that stuff, I you know, there was... This is a movie that I feel like is a perfect example of, like, it has stood the test of time because of nostalgia. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, if this movie came out today, I don't think anybody would really care about it. Obviously, it's a third movie of the series, so it has that going for it back in 1989. But it's, like, the humor, I just don't think works as new like with what humor is
0: like today that's the problem because and it's so good solid it's humor that goes back to like our parents era I mean it's really goofy yeah but I
1: see it works w- for me whereas think- like the, even the the original vacation movie is I don't want to say smarter but it is kind of even though it's a little more raunchy you know we can get into the, some of the reasons why the first one was like for, like very much an R rated yeah, movie yeah. and this isn't but uh is it to, even the first one has a uh, in a lot of ways has a very different brand of humor in some ways uh whereas this one is a little more uh i mean goofy so well, it's, well, it's like it's of. playing
0: on Chevy Chase at the time he used to when he got a start on SNL he was the very the physical comedian he'd do all those, those Pratt Falls doing um, when he played Ford on yeah. there and stuff like that so you get a lot of that he was known to do that kind of slapstick-ish kind of thing um, for me I think all that is just great and uh, I'd argue all that holds up and and I think that I I love that about the movie because I remember when I saw it really enjoying that and digging it and laughing at it and I think if you showed it to a, a younger person they would laugh at it too But I do agree with you that it is maybe hard to have that come out nowadays. You'd have to set it up differently. But that might be a reason I do really like this movie, is that it has that kind of humor that isn't... I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's self-deprecating, but it's not... Like modern humor, where it's cynical. Well,
1: I mean, it is. Or sucks. But I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not. Well, humor is a hard thing to kind of describe yeah, and discuss, especially when you're not like specific students. But like
0: you know how nowadays, it. where it's like you know a lot of it's a lot of the humors are, and it's real like you know sex and yeah. and, and, and this is certainly
1: has sex and suggestions of it. Yeah, it? but there's nothing like irreverent about, yeah, about and, this about this. And I like
0: that you could show it to someone our age, and we watched it, you know, a 10-year-old, and you don't have to worry, I mean, and they're going to get the jokes of the girl leaning over, or, you know, they make, you know... But I feel
1: like it plays, I feel like the humor in it plays more to a kid. Yeah, or it's it's a family, yeah, well, they're certainly making it more, you know, because I was
0: laughing, you know, uh, all that stuff with the ladder... You know, I mean, you know, and I. Blake is the first one to admit he's a huge fil- fil- a fan of silent movies, mm-hmm. of comedies, of Buster Keaton specifically. Um, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Harold Lloyd is great. Uh, we even give Fatty Arbuckle, a, a, you know, a shout out every <laughs> once in a while. But it's like, the, I love all that stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. and I love that. We love Abbott and Costello. We love all that physical comedy, which you don't. I mean, I guess you get nowadays, but a lot of that is I'm almost like people more, really hurting themselves. I'm and, thinking more like, but I was laughing at all that stuff. Yeah, well, and the I stuff mean, in the attic with him hitting, getting hit, and I'm like, ha
1: ha ha! ha watch out, Turn
0: ha ha ha! But
1: something like the sled, the sled ride, it's like, like way ridiculous. more contrived. You sure, know what I mean, because sure, it doesn't even need to be in because they need special effects to make that work. I, but Where, it's hilarious. whereas, whereas like so the ladder funny. is like the latter's funny, and the stuff in the attic is funny. Yeah, it's
0: it is like a. Buster Keaton or a Harold Lloyd skit. Well, yeah. Putting the lights. I mean, can you, can't you picture, like, a silent movie? Well, no, with that's what I'm a, saying...
1: You know I mean? But fall I'm saying in. there's other jokes that I sure. feel like... Or just silly. are just kind of silly. Yeah. And maybe not even that funny. Sure. Now. Sure. That's, sure. As kids, we thought they were funny. Sure, sure. But there's plenty of uh, uh, other goofy, stuff, like you were saying. Like you're
0: saying, the goofy stuff. But, uh, you know, and but the thing, I guess, to sum it all up, is that, like, you know, I really enjoyed watching it again. I I kept it on the floor for a little time... for. A number of years, and I yeah. picked it back up, dusted it off, put it in. And it was, and well, it's the, great.
1: Well, there's a number of Christmas movies that we've been ramping up to, and I would say this is it's certainly one of them. Yeah, you know, this is one of them. That's like, when are we going to do that one? Yeah, exactly. Whether it's people asking us via social media yeah. or us discussing, like, okay, like, is this going to be the year that we do? Yeah. When Blake and I
0: get hammered in like a, <laughs> a, a a shore when we're on shore leave and we're getting hammered in a, Sa- in a Saigon, a Hong Kong. <laughs> Bar and we're hammered. We'll Look at he's like, "What's going to be this year? What are we another? doing this year? Another another shot. Give me another Singapore sling." I feel like Die Hard was one of those. Yeah, it was one of. The Weapon was one of those. <laughs> for me, I was like the first year. I'm like, "What are we doing? And it Saves Christmas. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> year, the so, oh my God! Star Wars: The Holiday Special was another one for us. One of the greats. Yeah, one of the greats of our holiday uh, collection. So it's that that that's certainly this movie here, and it's just." Uh, you know, it, it, it does have the heart of a Frank Capra kind of a movie, but it's the modernized '80s. You know, it's the it's what not now, but it's a, it's it's still it still has a lot of sentiment of today than more of it did of the '50s or '40s. Sure, but I think like you're, if you made this movie today, if you were to remake this movie, it'd be a lot more raunchier. Yeah, yeah. And that's sometimes I think, which to me is 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 not necessarily in a like a positive, that it has to be. I think it's a little more intelligent to ma- be able to make it more of a family movie, but then make it funny for everybody. Yeah.
1: You know? There's parts of it that felt... I mean, it's got to be around the same time, right? There's... I mean, the the city stuff, but it's Chicago in this, right? Yeah. But it's just there was a feel to it that reminded me a lot of when we did uh, plays, Trains and Automobiles. Sure. Sure. Um, and that's 87? So, yeah, so it's all around... And they're Turkey very Day much, just, yeah. They're very much like time capsules.
0: And let's, you know, at some point, if we ever get a, around to Home Alone, I mean, that's another staple from our youth. That's Chicago. That's very funny. You got John Candy connecting oh, the dots Hughes. there. John Hughes. So this yeah. movie
1: was written by John Hughes. Yeah. Uh, based who, off a, a short story. Based on a short story yeah. that was originally published in the the Nas- National Lampoon magazine.
0: Yeah. Um, Called, what, Christmas 59? Yeah. And what's funny is, uh, I don't know, I, I'll, I'll speak for myself here, but as a child, again, being over at my cousin's house for the big family parties, he had his cousins that I w- weren't related to. And they were some of them were sophisticated, maybe slightly older, you know, uh, a couple of them were smart. They were fans of the National Lampoon Magazine. Yeah. And they were the only people I've ever heard really, like, reference a National Lampoon. I, I knew, of course, the titles from the movies. Yeah, yeah, But I feel like, for me personally, I had just missed the boat in the mid to late 80s of reading them. And Like I said earlier in the year, I was a huge Mad Magazine fan, a sure. huge Cracked Magazine fan. I had missed National Lampoon, but I heard of it, people talking about it. Like, this month, so I, I guess at some point... A light turned on. That oh, it's a it's a publication. It's yeah. it's a it's a it's a yeah. I never a monthly or weekly you know publication.
1: I never read it. I was shocked to find out that like they were still making them in like the nineties.
0: Yeah, you know, but it, but it it was a huge. I mean, I guess in the seventies, since it begot movies, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a big deal. And then looking up this r- and, and reading it on Wikipedia, the the one poster I saw, which was the uh, it's it's a it's a picture of a of a of a volkswagen in the water and, and it, it's a it's a uh example of their humor and it's like if ted kennedy drove a volkswagen he'd be president right now and it because Volkswagens used to float yeah you know and if you get the joke because it's like sophisticated humor about chappaquiddick and all that's like hilarious and they would do like we can you know segue into the national Lampoon magazine but they had that real fucking out in there punch in the mouth yeah kind yeah. of uh obsc- not obscene but you know uh Certainly, shocking kind of humor.
1: Sure, I mean, I guess we can, we can give a brief overview of National Lampoon magazine. What else are we gonna (laughs) write? Good time as
0: any. Yeah, right. It's good time as any. Blake, open that book and turn it
1: to page eight. So, National Lampoon, as Dion mentioned, was a magazine. It's kind of started off. uh, It was started by a bunch of alumni of the Harvard Lampoon. Well, they, were, they
0: went to Harvard University, right? And then, they, yeah, they had a, Harvard, a publication. And
1: Harvard had a, a publication, which I guess was satirical. Yeah, which dated back to the 1870s. 1876.
0: And it was, a, they did, it was more, first it was little uh, illustrations, and then they, they like you said, they segue to the satirical to keep it maybe but popular. But it was like,
1: at the beginning, it was like a lot of f- people that became very accomplished authors were the people that wrote for it. And then, you know, as time went on, you didn't hear s- many people, although apparently Fred Gwynn. I feel like it's brought up a lot from them <laughs> who doesn't love Fred who doesn't <laughs> apparently he wrote for it That's for what point. Harvard Lampoon <laughs> yeah Harvard well Lampeau. I mean
0: we might have said this before on a, on a podcast but um, I bring up how I love Fred Gwynn from um, uh, uh, Car we- 54 Where Are You but when he wasn't working on Car 54 Where Are You in the late 50s and early 60s his side job was he was a Illustrator for children's books, yeah. which is fucking crazy. I had Fred
1: Gwynn's mm-hmm, like <laughs> Utes. <laughs> Utes? Did you say Utes? Youth? Youths. What's a Ute? Uh, so three alumni: uh, Doug Kenny, Henry Beard, and Robert Hoffman. They st- they were alumni of Harvard. They worked on the Harvard Lampoon in 1969. They started the National Lampoon magazine. Uh, the first issue was published uh, April of 1970 by twenty first century uh communications, and uh it ran all the way until nineteen ninety eight yeah, which we, you, I didn't know either yeah, but I, it had it, a, I don't know if it ran it can't have run consistently because they only ended up publishing two hundred and forty six issues
0: no, so I think they were doing maybe maybe once a month their heyday supposedly was what seventy to seventy five I mean they were huge, and then that led them doing they started to grow. And that's when they started getting people in there doing short story. Well, they've had that, but then you get these notable people who are coming yeah. in, and then you have uh, them branching into like radio plays and radio stuff or, yeah. or live theater stuff.
1: So after the first like seven or eight issues, which you know they were kind of dragging, and uh, then the sales. Spread. They they kind of started to you know become popular, and uh, by 1972. Um, they released an album called Radio Dinner, which was uh, sketches and a lot of song parodies. And uh, so popularity start, kept growing, like Dion kind of suggested. There was a, they, they were bringing lots of really talented writers and illustrators. And uh, kind of in 1973, they were thinking, like, the record, Radio Dinner, did so well. Let's do another record. But they wanted to do a parody of Woodstock. So the thought was, let's put together a live show and we'll record it. Uh, and so they put together a live show and they wanted to call it, uh, they, they ended up calling it National Lampoon Lemmings. And then the show ended up becoming so popular that I don't think, they ended up putting, putting out a record of the songs that were in the show, but... It ended up just becoming a show. And it uh, so it opened... Like a like a stage show. Yeah, like an off-Broadway yeah. show. It opened at the Village Gate in, in New York City on January 25th, 1973. Because I think Lampoon was based in New York the, the, at the at time. At that point, yeah. a lot of, most publications yeah. were. And uh, it ran 350 performances. Which is pretty impressive. Um, like I said, the songs were released on an album, and then a video released of one of the shows. A video ended up coming out of one of the shows several decades later. Uh and the first half of the show was kind of sketch comedy, apparently, and the second half was a mock music festival called uh, Woodshuck, Three Days of Peace, Love, and Death. And the idea of it was that lemmings, you know, they'll they'll follow each other like off of a yeah, so they'll commit suicide, they'll fall off a cliff. So uh, a lot of it was like this weird suicide humor. <laughs> As you do <laughs> In- involved with with a Woodstock parody. This is pre-Jonestown, remember? And. Uh, some of the talented people that they had in the show were John Belushi, Christopher Guest, of course, uh, from Spinal Tap and all those mock documentaries, yeah. and Chevy Chase. Yeah. Gilda Radner, maybe, too? That She came a little later because apparently there was a little bit of uh, contention amongst people at, at National Lampoon, and they didn't like that some people were working on the show. And so uh, eventually... Uh, Michael Michael O'Donohue who was a writer and we could talk a little bit more about him because he's actually connected to another recent episode (laughs) (laughs) of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers in a way. He ended up getting uh, the National Lampoon Radio Hour which was a radio show that that ran from uh, November 17th, 1973 to December 12th no, December 28th, 1974 so Just over a year. And for people who got to
0: take a moment to go back in time, uh, radio had kind of a brief resurgence in the 70s, I feel like. That's, again, where we get the Star Wars, uh, you know, the radio. You know, there's, you know, BBC were doing a lot of stuff at the time, radio. Um, I don't know if the Doctor Who stuff was starting back then. but So there was a lot of CBS was doing, like, uh, horror shows and stuff. So it wasn't uncommon out this time, oh, we'll do a radio show. So it was a
1: syndicated radio show. Apparently in the beginning it was an hour. And then it got chopped down to a half an hour, just because filling like a weekly half-hour show with the amount of content that they needed to fill it with, it was just like too demanding to do a full hour. But this is where you know John Belushi, Chevy Chase, uh, also we, a lot of some a lot of the other people from like Second City. So you get Bill Murray, Gilda Radner, Harold Ramis, Brian Durrell M- Murray, uh, Joe Flaherty is a familiar face to a lot of people of our generation, and Christopher Guest. They start doing skits and stuff on the radio hour. Now, the radio was created by writer, uh, National, National Lampoon writer Michael O'Donohue, who uh, later went on to be the first head writer of uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Live.
0: Yeah. I and think he, he jumped ship to get Lauren, with my, Lauren Michaels.
1: And he's the one, in regards to Jim Henson, that said, I don't write for felt."
0: Oh, I didn't <laughs> want to name him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was, when when we did Muppets a couple of weeks ago, uh, first season of the Muppets, uh, Jim Henson was trying to blossom off of doing just Sesame Street and show, hey, these aren't just kids stuff. We can do Muppets yeah. for adult contemporary audiences like we did with the late night stuff. He did the first season with Saturday Night Live, and uh, a lot of t- I guess there was a, quite a bit of contention because Henson never really f- found the right. Uh, you know, they never, the stars never really aligned with him in Saturday Night Live and uh, Lauren Michaels. And to quote you, o- yeah, O'Donohue said. So apparently,
1: allegedly. Yeah, he said, the I don't that-
0: write for, there used to be a lot of laughing about about it. And, yeah. You know.
1: Now, he created it with a r- audio engineer named Bob Tischler, who I think was a friend of Christopher Guest's. And uh, he went on to produce a lot of albums. He produced uh, all of the uh, Blues Brothers albums.
0: Okay, the live shows and yeah, the yeah, the, yeah, the studio the, albums, yeah. all
1: that stuff. But he oddly enough, he later became the head writer of SNL from 1981 to 85, which is so the, the,
0: kind of the regarded as the bad years with the saving grace of Joe Piscopo yeah. and Eddie Murphy.
1: But he came in, I think he comes in in the year where Bill and Lauren, Lauren, Lauren Michaels left. Yeah. And uh So have
0: that, we told that story where the or the guy I know who was um who worked on it for the first year? That the the oh I forget who the first person ever to host I forget who it's who it was, but it was supposed to be Billy Crystal and if I'm getting this story right and then Billy Crystal they 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 what do you call it they passed him over because they got somebody else and Billy Crystal was so mad he didn't come back on and I think he waited till the the season maybe that Lauren left that's when he came on you know because he was so pissed I think I'm I hope that's right but yeah that's so that's so he was there those and years and if not. What do yeah, you want for yeah, Exactly. <laughs> we want for nothing? We're trying our best. We give
1: you half the story. You go check the rest now, out. Now, kind of moving along. Uh, moving right along. Now, this is interesting. So, the success of the Lemming show, the idea of putting together, and the radio show, putting together um, another live show was something they were thinking about. Now, Ivan Reitman comes down from Canada because he saw the Lemming show when they did it in Toronto. Sure. Apparently they traveled with it. And he comes down and he talks to the... Um, the guy who's the publisher, unfortunately, I, his name's escaping me. And publisher what? of what? Of the magazine. Okay, yeah. National Lampoon. He actually owned the majority of the magazine um, Yeah, to publish it. And uh, the guy who worked for 21st Century Communications. And so Ivan Reitman ends up producing another live show in 1975 called The National Lampoon Show, which now featured m- basically the cast of the Radio Hour, which was Harold Ramis... Uh, Belushi, Bill Murray, Joe Flaherty, Christopher Guest, Gilda Radner. And I don't... It's It was hard for me to find any real information about that. Um, so I don't know how long it ran. But 1975 was kind of a very like pivotal year for National Lampoon. Like we said, it started in 1970. And when they got their first publishing deal with this guy, and I it's bothering me that I forgot his name, uh, 21st Century Communications, part of the deal was... That after five years part of their deal was that after five years this guy had to buy them out. So yeah. this guy owned seventy five percent of the business. And the three writers, Doug Kenny, uh, Henry Beard, and Robert Hoffman, they owned twenty five percent of the business. But after five years, the the guy who owned seventy five percent of the business was gonna have to buy them out. So now if the magazine was not successful, he would have bought them out for, you know, nothing. But if the Marty that, Simmons? Marty Simmons.
0: Who also co-published um, Heavy Metal. Oh. You know, Heavy Metal was in there as well. He was doing, um, they started publishing Heavy Metal in 77. So, so there was a lot of, I guess, uh, artists who did Heavy Metal who would then do uh, satirical stuff. Sure, like I Frazetta. mean, like, in, like
1: guys we even talk about, like Neil Adams used yeah. to do stuff for and, National And, and so old. they were,
0: that's how they, they're, they're freaking um, moonlighting, you know, between the two. So anyway, I'm sorry, yeah. So, that, yeah, so Marty Simmons and so Marty Leonard Sim- Mo- Mogul. M O G E L, were the two founders.
1: But so uh, Marty Simmons has to after five years has to buy them out. That's part of their contract. It ends up being that he just, he buys he buys them out uh, for seven and a half million dollars.
0: Nineteen seventy five, seven dollars. Yeah, which is like a gazillion dollars.
1: And so I think like Henry Beard, I think pretty much the guys just kind of jumped ship after that. They took their man, their money and ran, and then. Uh, well, you lose the cast around there, right? The well, that's the same time as when Lauren M- Michaels kind of he take he comes over and he takes all everybody else. So he takes uh, that's when Michael uh, O'Donohue leaves to to go write for uh, Saturday Night Live uh, and uh, Bets, who's also a writer at National Lampoon, she goes. And then you get uh, John Belushi and Gilda Radner. They leave. So he basically heavy
0: chase goes with them too.
1: He might have. He might have already kind of not been at Nash. He's uh, with Nash at that point, but yeah, basically he was poaching.
0: Yeah, because po- that becomes the whole season one cast of the not ready for primetime players, and uh, along with Dan Aykroyd comes in, and, and you know a couple others, you know.
1: But I, you know, somebody even said that, you know, they they suggested to. Marty Simmons yeah Marty Simmons that you know we should get Belushi on retainer yeah like we should just like pay him $500 a week put him on contract and they never did that and then they lost. awesome and that's so they you they, know so they ended up losing all these people
0: and it's weird because then uh when Chevy Chase he does a year of Saturday Night Live and for people who are Saturday Night Live buffs know uh the movie start calling and he abruptly leaves very quickly after the first season of Saturday Night Live, Chevy Chase, and then he's replaced by Bill Murray, who leaves Lampoon, and yeah. steps up and goes to start doing Saturday Night Live. And then there's a very big contention there of the trifecta being Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and John Belushi. And when Chevy Chase came back to host Saturday Night Live, the rumor has it, the urban legend is that John Belushi and... Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd were talking in Bill Murray's uh, ear about stuff, and then they got into an altercation backstage. Uh, Bill Murray and Chevy Chase, and there might have even been a punch thrown or whatever. And there's very much conjecture of what happened that night. But then later, that's why people talked about it during Caddyshack. Yeah, they have a scene together. Yeah, that 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 for years it, it was very contentious if they liked each other in the scene or did they try to you know mess each other up or late years I think they they buried the hatchet for since then, but. You know, or did they even shoot it together? You know that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, And that's all because people were so mad that Chevy Chase bailed chips so quickly off of Senate Live they go do movies and said screw Senate Live when they're like, hey, we're just still starting out. We're still number one. You know, stay with us. So,
1: so after seventy five, they lose a bunch of people. Like I said, the the guys who started, it, like Henry Beard, leaves National um, Lampoon. National yeah. Lampoon. Uh, so they start bringing you know a bunch of new talent, new editor in chief. And what's kind of amazing is, you know, that first wave of, of National Lampoon guys, they all, you know, pretty much made up most of s- the original Saturday Night Live cast and uh, and the writing room. But the people that came on to write after that and probably even some of the people from before, they went on to, uh, like I said, work on SNL. Then they so a lot of them went to work for, on the David Letterman show, yeah. SCTV, write for The Simpsons, Married yeah. right, with Children, yeah. Night Court. Um, some pretty fun uh,
0: like foundational shows in our comedic uh, zeitgeist
1: yeah I mean like, essentially like all they, they created a, an entire generation of comedy from, like the was all late spawn- 70s to <laughs> to like all spawned from those guys through like two more generations of people yeah
0: late 70s to like mid 90s is all a lot of those guys are having their
1: hands and stuff and one of the new guys was this guy named John Hughes the Chicago native um uh, so he, you know, he came to kind of uh, uh, prominence as one of the new writers, and so late seventies rolls around, and uh, I think basically to keep Doug Kenny around, um, Marty Simmons, who Doug Kenny was one of the original uh, founders of the magazine from Harvard, and he was one of the editors in chief to keep him around after the the big payout. He said, you know, Marty Simmons says, you can't leave because we're going to do a movie. And that, like, really, because he wanted to be famous and, you know, he wanted to get in the movie business. Who does it? So they have this idea that they're going to take uh, this high school. uh, Basically, National Lampoon the magazine would have these themed issues. So it'd be like the future or vacations. Yeah. And so uh, nostalgia and all these things. And one of the issues they did was um, like a a mock high school yearbook. And so they said, like, let's make that idea. Those students will make a movie out of that. And uh, Ivan Reitman was under the the uh, was his understanding that he would get to direct the first movie because he did the the uh, that show the national lampoon show the live show that i was talking about but he hadn't directed anything yet he had, by that point he had produced like a couple of cronenbergs early movies like shivers and stuff but he only directed like a movie called like cannibal women or something like nice. that <laughs> so they said you can't direct it but you can produce it and somebody that he knew said you know you got to meet this guy who's doing who's directing kentucky fried movie this guy john landis yeah so then he went over and he met John Landis and he said, look, we're doing a National Lampoon movie. Do you want to direct it? And so uh, Doug Kenny and, and other people, they're writing this high school uh, comedy. And then I think it was Reitman that was like, we can't have it in high school. What the kind of shit you're writing about. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what if we put it in college? Sure. So then it gets bumped up into college. It becomes like the National Lampoon college movie. And eventually it becomes Animal House. Yeah. Now, the success of Animal House leads to. And that's what, 1977? 78. 78. Comes out.
0: With Tim Matheson, uh, you know. Belushi. Belushi. Carolyn uh, uh, Allen. Yeah. Is um, that Kevin, the young Kevin Bacon? Maybe? Young Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, Don, Don uh, Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Because he, he, yeah, he knew Landis, because he's in Kentucky Fried Movie, because Landis had interned on the Yugoslavian set of Kelly's Heroes. So he met and Donald we, Sutherland and we then. We talked
1: a little bit about it when we did invasion of the body snatchers because yeah. I think he was flying back and forth
0: oh from, from, from doing yeah right from doing San Fran- uh, Frans-
1: up from, up from San, S- San Francisco
0: to, to Canada to do uh, to do that's why his hair is like that to do when he's doing Animal House at yeah, the time yeah. so that's how yeah so Landis brings him in isn't what's uh, John Vernon who we love the mayor from Dirty Harry <laughs> uh, he's the, he's the, uh, or people yeah, yeah. that we know him, I know him as the mayor from Dirty Harry or, or the, uh, what's the, the great Walter Matdown movie. We, the, 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 uh, not the friends of Eddie Coyle, but what's the, uh, the one post, God damn it. Post Dirty Harry where's the robbery movie. And we said, it's a great, remember last year when we did, he did like the three serious movies where he's the yeah, action yeah, hero, yeah, yeah. uh, Charlie Verity. Yeah. yeah. Ch- Char- Charlie, Charlie Verrick. Yes. Yeah. J- J- John, that's. John Vernon's in that Or uh, we did Bullet The other year What year did we do <laughs> But we talked about um, Point Blank And that's John Vernon's First movie <coughs> But people of our age Know John Vernon As the What is he He's the dean Right Of Animal House He's yeah. dean Whatever his name is
1: He also might be uh, Now this is I could be completely wrong But I think he ends up Being the bad guy and Gonna Get You Sucker Yeah that's, also, that's John Vernon, and he also, for people our age, will know his voice. He
0: did a lot of cartoon work in the, in the 80s and 90s. He's the voice of, um, on Batman the Animated Series. He's Rossetti, what's the guy, the, the heavier guy? Remember there was the two mob bosses uh, on him? yeah, it? yeah. He's the one with the gray hair that uh, Two-Face goes after. He's like, no, Two-Face, that's John
1: Vernon. Anyway, so as everybody knows,
0: Animal, Getting back on the road, Animal, House,
1: Animal House becomes a huge hit. Yeah. And apparently they then go on to make a movie that John Hughes writes called... National Lampoon's class reunion in 1982. Yeah. That doesn't do so well. But uh, because Animal House did so well, they were like, you know, we need to, let's take another original uh, National Lampoon Magazine property. Like we said, the high school reunion ended up evolving into Animal House. And you
0: know what? We talked a little bit about this in the Blues Brothers. Probably, Because, remember, because we're talking about the connection of – of, of what's his face? Belushi doing Blues Brothers and what he was doing and in And John Boston, Landis. Drunk and Landis, and we're jumping around from Sound Live, yeah.
1: And so I said, well, let's take in another property and make uh, a National Lampoon movie. So take something from the magazine. Yeah. Find something in the magazine, a short story, or a long story. And so that becomes John Hughes's, uh short story, uh, Vacation 58. Gets made into uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, which was ended up being directed by Harold Ramis,
0: and that comes out, I think, in seventy nine. Right? He writes that the uh, Vacation uh, 50, 58?
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I think, be, I think that might be.
0: I think that might be right. Vacation fifty eight, and that's. Um, but
1: it, it does also like it's not. Uh, it was supposed to go on their vacation issue, and it didn't end up going in in 78 maybe and then it gets held over but it does eventually get published in 79 I think
0: Um, and that's um, and that's still going back to the idea of when, yeah in 79 that's going back to the idea of you know back when you'd still write these short articles for you know periodicals like Stephen King would write short stories for Playboy or whatever people were writing these short stories and certainly National Lampoon the magazine had these short and long form stories so he yeah, and it was just story. like
1: this kind of like, and it's hilarious. comedic look at like what it was like to be a kid. And the original short story, my understanding, it, it's like him, uh, just like what it's like to be
0: yeah, just it's, in the back seat of a car of a, of a station wagon. And it's it's
1: it's really good.
0: I read about half of it, and it's it's surprising how close it is to the movie. You know, the movie a yeah, yeah. lot of the jokes and stuff. Um, and it's funny. I really was really yucking it up, and then uh. You know, it's just, it's such a great, unique perspective. I mean, it's raunchy, but it's what you expect from those those days of well, raunchy comedy. Well, they say comedy. that,
1: like, you know, the, one of the reasons why the, the mo- that first movie, it's funny because that movie's become, like, a family movie classic, but at the time it was like they're coming off the Animal
0: House. Which is really raunchy nudity.
1: Yeah, was, you know, for the time. Uh, that the idea, the thought was, like, we need to make this. Also, like an R-rated comedy, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, Vaca- the original one, yeah.
0: And it took them that from '78 to develop it till you know around '82 or so when they start you know getting the idea going, and they, it comes out in
1: '83. I think it was until maybe I don't recall. It's been so long since I've seen European Vacation, but I don't think European Vacation ends up being like as. Well, well, they
0: have the sex tape, isn't that in European Vacation where they the, the, the their yeah. camcorder gets stolen and then. She's plastered but, up, there. and you might see. Do you see nudity? Is that? I thought it was the second one where you see them naked in the shower, and that's part of the tape that they see. Oh, maybe
1: it's so long you know. But I forget. It. But you do. I was surprised. But, but over time, you see her get nude. Yeah. But like, over time, it's like it's revealed that it's becomes like the the first one, and maybe the second one also. Like the family, like families and dads and stuff. They. They relate to to, the, to the, <laughs> the Griswolds. Oh, yeah. And it becomes more of like a family series. And that's why by the time Christmas Vacation comes around, you know, it's a little more innocent in its comedy, uh, less raunchy. A little by of the road. And then, by, the road. Like, v- and then by, by like Vegas Vacation, it's like totally stripped down yeah. to be like, you know, more appropriate to a wider audience. Um.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because it's 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 that funny comedy that we can all identify with, uh, being with living. You know, anybody who's ever gone on a, a trip with the family, getting inside. Uh, you know, your your minivan, your station wagon, or your nowadays whatever the hell you, your RV or yeah. whatever people get into, and then you're you're driving wherever you're driving to it's the comedy that comes up of all this stuff when the dad's trying to do the right thing or whatever and and everything just falls apart you know it's i think it was just so identifiable to you know we also brought up um years ago there's mr 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 hobbs takes his vacation which is jimmy stewart and that's kind of people say that could be the first uh, vacation kind of a movie because you have elements of that and this is that's like The early 60s, but it's the hijinks of Jimmy Stewart Trying to pack his family into a car They rent a beach house And then all kinds of shit goes wrong in the 60s But you get a lot of those aspects That the temples that you'll see go on I think, yeah, Mr. Hobbs uh, Has a dream house Or a vacation house Yeah, goes on a vacation
1: And uh, as Dion uh, You know, said earlier You know, National Influence Christmas Vacation It ends up being written by John Hughes uh, and it's based on a short story called Christmas 59, which I guess is kind of a sequel follow up of what happened with Vacation 58. Uh, and that was published in December of 1980 in an issue of National Lampoon. And uh, so we read that in preparation for this. And there's definitely like, there's su- there's stuff in it for sure that's in this movie. Yeah, I mean, but it is. But it's it, not it, as, it, uh, you know, it's not, this is definitely it's not like a clear cut. Adaptation of that story no. like it's, very, it's very much inspired by it And there there's set pieces within and that story And there's
0: also plot points that kind of follows The bare bones plot of what's going on This is just filled in differently Yeah, you know, There's the jokes from the, from the short story Certainly at the beginning when the Grandparents arrive, I never noticed until now watching it, when they're arguing When they necessarily get it, who's getting the parking spot In the garage, because there's only a single spot there's, That's from here, you get the idea Of when Aunt Hazel she comes over, she's freaking... A lot of that dialogue is almost verbatim where she's like, it was fun riding in a car. Oh, you got a new house. And like all that there. <laughs> yeah. Or you get the thing about the whole turkey in this the short story. It's the, the Aunt Martha who's uh, his mother, Ellen's... Because it's all from John Hughes, the kid's point of view, yeah. watching all this. So he's supposed to be the boy watching all this. He's like the rusty character. Yeah. And he's... Um, that's she's making the turkey, and then they say every year they don't understand how, but she she dries thing out and explodes. You get that idea, and then there was uh, you know the, the then the 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 great aunt who's lost her mind. She wraps up the dog instead of the cat, and they open the dog up, and the dog's running around. And then when they're trying to trim the tree. They're like, you know, we only have three sets of lights, and the father's like, you know, there was four. And they're like, well, you know, everyone's bickering and arguing. They're trying to put the thing up. And then suddenly, when they're trying to plug the tree in, they plug it in, and the, the, the couch blows up underneath. And they find out the dog had been eating the fourth set of lights, and it'd gone. it had eaten it. And it's also shitting it out at the same time. So it was actually going through when they plugged it in. So you have bare-bone elements. Uh, and then at the very ending, when they look up, and it's a Christmas star, you know, everything yeah, stops. Yeah. It's done There's
1: this. also like when they bring in a tree from the outside. In the story, it's a bird. Yeah, there's a bird, in because he cuts of, instead, the, instead of a squirrel, because
0: they can't find. It's very funny. We could put a link in this cast of the short story, but you know they go tr- they go to try to find a tree on a lot, and they're heckling with price, and he leaves, and then they come back, and then the guys only got two left, and he's up in the price, the father's refusing to buy, so he gets home, and there's such an argument between the mom and dad. They got the dad just you know Clark goes outside, just cuts a tree down off the front yard, and says, <laughs> we'll use this one. Hence why we have the bird inside. Yeah. So you have elements that there's also like this kind of. You know, semi not so politically correct nowadays. There's a, one of the grandparents bring home with them an Asian, yeah, um, which is kind of reminiscent of I sixteen mean, candles, of right? sixteen
1: candles, a little bit. I mean, which the, is now
0: people have been taking. You know, yeah. people get. I mean, the role
1: at. of that character is different in the two stories, but yeah. you can kind of see the the like the relation that through the mind of that like the prism of John Hughes, like like that didn't make it into. Like, he ended up using that idea. I know, know. And, who knows, and who knows whatever other stories, stories he wrote that might have be.
0: that. I mean, people may refer to it as semi-racist nowadays, but it's uh, a different time. Semi, I don't you know. know. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to be very, I'm trying to be very, you know, um, uh, you know. Gentle or whatever, <laughs> but it, you know, it's it's and it's you know. I mean, there's there's when they say like they're like, well, they want it, You know, they didn't. The their grandparents felt bad because he's going to college and he he stays he's over, from Thailand in the story. He's from Thailand in the story, so they're like, um, we, we want him to. We want to take him and have Christmas with us because they surprise when they they show up with him and they're like, well, we didn't want him to just sit in his room and, and miss his family and feel bad about the war, <laughs> War II, you know? Or they're putting him in the basement, and then yeah. they're, they're and saying, like, maybe he's... is he you, What happens if he's really a Jap? He's not Chinese. Yeah, and all his dialogue
1: is written yeah, in, like, yeah, slur. That, in, yeah, that
0: kind of, like... Uh, like an accent. Yeah, where you read it in a certain the R's, way. The
1: L's are R's. You know,
0: and, and then he's... In it, but it, then it gets funny where he's actually stealing stuff in the house, you know? Yeah. He, or he's drinking, or his sweater's on backwards, and he's, he's... Every day, every point you see, he's stealing power tools, or he's stealing people's purses then at the end of it they find out during when, the, when they blow the circuits on the entire house from accidentally electrocuting the, electrocuting the cat uh, it's all the hijinks so they're trying to find a flashlight the flashlight batteries don't work um, he's, he starts yelling at the John young John Hughes character this is why I told you not to play with the flashlights he has to go downstairs and open the presents to get the batteries out of the toys to, open, to turn the flashlight on that the the Chinese or the the the, the character he the, he leaves and he's gone and he st- he steals the car with stuff. He tries to leave. He hits the ambulance and that's then he's running away and there's a BB gun element of it with a shoot your eye out. Yeah, and then that's a, that's something I didn't research. Sadly, was that uh, who the the gentleman who his his, his name escapes for now who wrote the Christmas story is a very famous. Uh, radio personality who used to tell stories and all that and he, about his childhood yeah. and I don't know what the historical chronological order is if he wrote Christmas Story that, the, before this short story but it's funny because uh, the young John Hughes character in it all he wants is a BB gun. And then at some point he opens the presents and at night, you know, they bring all the, they go down and they're sneaking the presents. They see he's getting a BB gun. But then on Christmas morning in the dark, the mother takes the present and you know, the kid's like, isn't that for me? She's like, no, that's for your cousin Dale. And he, she's like, but it's mine. And the mom's really pissed and hands the uh, cousin, young cousin Dale, the BB gun. And then the dialogue between the, that the father-in-law and Clark is like, Oh, I hope your son loves as much, uh, his BB gun this year, as our son last year liked his bow and arrow set, meaning that maybe the the father-in-law got the son Dale the bow and arrow set, but then at the last minute, their mother Mar- Martha threw it at the kid. says I don't, I don't want my kid having it, so we're giving it to your kid. And then maybe some hijinks happened over yeah, the summer yeah. where he something maybe something happened
1: with a bow and an arrow, arrow
0: set out. that you know that he shouldn't like have. This it. Was paid back this is payback. Yeah, so bit. they're giving him the BB gun. So at the end of the book, at the end of the story, when the the the, the, the Chinese kid runs he's from
1: thailand, thailand.
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> running down the whole thing they, they take the bb gun out and they're shooting at the bb gun and he's falling and he's breaking you know so it's it's some you could see why some of it is uh you know isn't really uh you know didn't get translated into the
1: movie now allegedly uh chris columbus um was set to direct christmas vacation but due to personality clashes between him and chevy chase columbus left the film and then uh Hughes ended up giving him Home Alone. Yeah, like the following year or two years later, the guy who ends up directing is a guy named Jeremiah Chechik. Yep, who had a has had a kind of weird and eclectic career. Uh, I think he started it off in music videos and then he ended up directing this. Went on to direct Benny in June. Yep, that 1996 like remake of Diabolique. Yep, uh, the Avengers in eighty in 98.
0: He did that Miracle or. The, uh, the, he did the, um, the, what's the Walt Disney movie from the middle 90s with um, Patrick Swayze where it's like the tall tale, you know, the one where he's got the big beard, he's got the, the what's his favorite, the blue oxen, remember that movie? And no. it's in the, the kids being told the stories of the old west by uh, Stephen Lang, well he directed that, it was kind of a flop but it's a live action Disney movie from the, I think it's called Tall Tale.
1: Yeah. Uh, Of course, The Avengers was like a remake of a 60s television show. Yeah. And then uh, since then, he's been directing a lot of television. He directed episodes of Burn Notice, Chuck, which is a show I liked a lot. Uh,
0: Uh, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. Uh, the TV adaptation, of the legendary book, The Bronx is Burning. And his career is weird because he started in the fashion industry being a photographer for Vogue and he moved into commercial directing, like you're saying. And he did some really weird and iconic commercials in the U.S. And it was only because uh, somebody was interviewing Stanley Kubrick. I think it was the New York Times was interviewing Stanley Kubrick around the time saying, what are you watching nowadays? Or whatever. And Stanley Kubrick, of all things, remember, because he's living in England at this time, he name checks um, Jeremiah, and he says, "I like the work he's doing. He's the it's the best stuff I'm seeing uh, right now, uh, you know, uh, in the landscape." So, because of that, suddenly uh, Chechik yeah he starts getting his phone starts ringing he starts getting crypts, scripts getting sent yeah and then that was why he it, uh when he got this script it piqued his interest oh i you know i never thought i'd ever get the chance of doing a comedy so it was kind of weird that it's stanley Kubrick of all people that we kind of are able to thank to get the ball rolling to get him to be a director in this role and we we set up the table that john hughes at this point had written uh or wrote the original story to uh Lash Lampoon Vacation and he might get the credit as the screenplay writer yeah you got European I think vacation. at the very
1: least he probably wrote early drafts of it
0: yeah and then you got European Vacation which I'm foggy about I'm sure he maybe he got the credit of characters based off of him
1: of European Vacation yeah well he ends up, he gets I think he gets does get script credit but he shares it with uh, he shares it with Robert uh, Klein okay who has been featured we're
0: all over the board on tonight. an
1: episode of Saturday night movie, sleepover, sleep because he's the guy that wrote Weekend at Bernie's.
0: Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> nah. That's great. See? It all comes together. Um, uh, next time we go down to your basement, we got to get that nitty. <laughs> I mean, now we got to put more knit yep. in the-
1: We got more yarn. To, 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 to connect, connect the dots.
0: Um, so by the time they get to to this, they throw at- uh, They call John Hughes up and they're like, hey, we want another- Do another uh, a vacation movie because the series is- The franchise has been lucrative. What do you say? And uh, the story is John Hughes is like, well, at this point, the the series, the franchise has just become a vehicle for Chevy Chase. I don't know if I'm that interested, but he remembered that he'd done this this Christmas short story called Christmas 59 yeah. for a short story for National Lampoon. It may be shorter than his outing at, as the National Lampoon Vacation 58, which was the basis of the first movie. So he agrees to to write... Uh, this one with the idea being is oh, I can use the short story we just went through. And that's how he's able to get his name on this. And then he says when the next one comes out, he's, he only read about it when it hit the trades, the Vegas one. And people are like, oh, I didn't know you did that. And he's like, no, I have no relation. I'm only getting credit because I created the characters. But I didn't, didn't even ask me, you know, when the Vegas one comes out. But
1: the guy who directed uh, Vegas Vacation
0: <laughs>
1: has been talked about. Yeah, but not featured on the show because he directed a little documentary that's near and dear to Dion's heart.
0: Don't tell me it's Best Boy.
1: Oh, it's Paul Williams Still Alive. Oh, God, <laughs> Paul Williams
0: Still Alive, which we talked about. We talked about Paul Williams, maybe. in Yeah, Paul Williams, when we talked. You know, that's another thing. Um, a couple weeks ago when we did the Muppet movie, we talked everything about Paul Williams, and we talked about everything about all that stuff, and we might have even once or twice made the connection to uh, last christmas you remember what we did last christmas we did Emmett otter Emmett otter yeah and we didn't we didn't plug that and the of all the muppet sesame street fucking muppet movie muppet <laughs> show stuff we talked about you know we're talking about fucking uh you know yabba dabba doo we're talking about the uh, the uh, i'm sitting on top of the uh, uh charlie mccarthy uh ventriloquist yeah. that we have locked in the, the steamer <laughs> trunk right now um that we didn't plug that we did last Christmas, we did uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which was uh, you know, a very big movie. And that, the reason why I bring that up, long story short, is because they brought Paul Williams on to do Emmett Otter because they were doing a test run, remember, to practically see if they can, if all that worked for the HBO, then they could go and do the Muppet, Muppet movie. movie. They would, you know, so yeah, it was a test run. Now, in we edit m- that into the
1: when we do the remaster of <laughs> the Muppet movie. Now, there was an idea after European Vacation that didn't get made. So sometime between yes. the uh, tonight's movie and European Vacation, there were Chevy Chase and Eric Idle, yeah, who was featured in uh, European Vacation. They had an idea to do Australian Vacation. Yeah. Uh, but apparently that never got off the ground. They had some and like, then, sequences and gags. And then gags. I think after the su- success of this one, Christmas Vacation, there was some talk again of like, let's revive that idea. But yeah. still it hasn't been made.
0: And before, if we don't ever come back to it, if we jump ahead to the end, um, there's been some funny. It didn't. I don't think it, it didn't materialize because they ended up doing uh, the what is it called vacation? What's vacation? The, yeah. Just vacation. It's not National Lampoon. The the re, the last one they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo were trying to figure out a new premise for uh, for a new one after uh, Vegas or whatever. Um, and their idea was, which I think is very funny in a way, is that they were going to get another when another trip, they were going to get a trip on a cruise ship, and I don't know the name of this one, if they had a name for it yet, and the premise was they get, they win whatever, they get a, a thing on a cruise ship, and they're out like in the islands or the South Pacific, and a fire starts on the cruise ship, they get scared for their lives, they jump ship into the ocean, and little do they know that it wasn't a big fire at all, it was just a very minor thing that was put out very quickly, so they're stuck, they beach themselves on a, on a, on a, on a island out there, and they run into uh, cousin what's his face Eddie? played by yeah, Randy Quaid who's been marooned there since he did a episode of like a survivor-ish kind of show so they're stuck on this island which isn't close to the movie I've never seen but in 2003 they did a made-for-tv direct sequel to Christmas Vacation yeah. which was uh, with reprised uh, you know Randy Quaid Eddie and Miriam
1: uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation too. Yeah, was and, that, it, and it, was it has a subtitle. Eddie. Yeah,
0: you know, but it, it was a. It's the only one that. It's the only series. It got a. This got a direct sequel that yeah, has it's nothing a to sequel do. Sequel
1: to a sequel, so
0: it's kind of its own little <laughs> vehicle. It's a sub, you know, sub vehicle, and it's got the the wife reprising her role and him, and then they get marooned on an island for whatever reason I, or something in the South Pacific. I never saw it, yeah. and I remember. I remember. I, I was gonna watch it. And I was like, I don't know if I can. You know, I might even have a free copy from the video store days and I just never got around to watching it. So I wanted to get that in before because I think that Beverly D'Angelo and Chevy Chase thing sounds hilarious. That's right up the, you know, yeah, the alley. Yeah. So that leads us all here to Christmas Vacation. Good night, everybody. <laughs> be seeing you soon. But first, let's uh, take a moment to hear from our sponsors. After these messages, we'll be
1: right back. Hey, dear. Yeah. Now I can't help but notice you've acquired a fairly large collection of colorful baskets since the last time I was here. Yeah, you like all these things? These are really nice. Yeah, yeah. I've been making holiday gifts for everybody. You made all these? Yeah,
0: I found a basket weaving with Natural Fibers class in Skillshare. I think I found my new calling. And then I'm going to fill all these baskets with homemade soap, which also I learned to do on Skillshare.
1: Man, you've been busy. For anyone out there who doesn't know, Skillshare is an online community with over 25,000 classes in everything from music theory and filmmaking to business and marketing and cooking, and I guess also various arts and crafts.
0: The variety of classes you could take is nuts, and you're looking at a guy who's nuts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been taking some classes on music theory and learning a little gypsy jazz guitar. Nice. I've also been checking out their seemingly endless list of filmmaking classes. And what separates Skillshare from YouTube videos and online how-to subscription sites is that it really is a community. Some classes have assignments and projects that you upload and get feedback from the instructors. So if you're as excited as we
0: are about learning and interested in checking out Skillshare, you, the listener, have two months of unlimited free access to their thousands of classes at Skillshare.
1: Just go to Skillshare.com SAT. That's right. Just sign up at Skillshare.com SAT and you can get started on your two months of free Skillshare.
0: One last time for everybody in the back. Go sign up at Skillshare.com SAT, and you won't regret it. So we've set the table. I've, I've kind of moved myself away from this rusty nail that I don't understand why these things got to be 20 inches long. Uh, Blake has repositioned himself. I wouldn't be eating that because that—I don't know if that's asbestos or if that's. I stuck in my
1: socks. I know
0: it's all. It's it, you look really itchy. All your I'm skin all, is
1: <laughs> all irritated. Yeah, you're all,
0: it's all patchy. You're getting a lot of dermatitis just flashing up and showing up. I'll have to get some cream out I'll the uh, the calidril. A lot of you know. I get, oh, I'm going to get the flesh color calidril and put it all over you. Not the clear calamine one.
1: Calamine lotion. Yeah, I calamine. Lo-
0: yeah, calamine lotion. Exactly. Uh, so we're here for Christmas vacation and. Um, how do we do it? What do we do? Um, it's funny watching, you know, tonight when when we, we started watching it. Uh, I love the opening, you know, the the animated sequence. You drop the um, Holiday Road, yeah, by uh, uh, Lindsey Buckingham. What Lindsey Buckingham? And this is the what is is this the only movie that that's
1: not featured in? Does, do you? I don't remember.
0: I don't, It's in Vegas, but it's in the first either. two. The
1: Vegas came out when like when we were in college, right? Yeah, ninety or just before
0: ninety five or ninety seven. Um, so. This gets replaced by the, uh, the other song, uh, Christmas Vacation. And I remember seeing this in the theater. Uh, and when the opening, when it starts with the whole animated singers, I was totally into it. I think that was such a great song, the Christmas Vacation song, written uh, by husband and wife uh, Randy Newman and Bear, Barry Mann and Cynthia Well. And it's performed by Mavis Staple of the Randy Staple Newman. Singers. Yeah, Yeah, Randy Newman. The songwriting team of Randy Newman, Barry Mann, and Cynthia Weil, So maybe they they were the husband and wife. And I loved it. I loved this 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 song for this that you see at the beginning and the end. It's got such a great like, you know, just chill kind of that beat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's, it's so, so of its time. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but I mean <laughs> I, I think you could also.
1: It's I more could, the production value than the song itself.
0: Yeah, I mean I feel yeah I feel like you could do a really rocking you know. Uh, version of this somewhere or put it on an album and it's funny enough this so, this album has never really gotten or this soundtrack yeah it's never gotten a soundtrack
1: because it's got a lot of popular songs yeah it's just never
0: got yeah you enough, got Gene Altry at the end you know
1: it's never got an official Ray Charles release. apparently in the there was a bootleg at some point
0: yeah which was the unofficial that people were then it was pressed there was a certain amount of copies that were pressed that were give, being given out at an opening of something, and then people realize even that pressing was wrong because some of the cues weren't f- even from this movie. Yeah, and, they from <laughs> yeah, they were from Home Alone. Yeah, they were from Home Alone.
1: But the, the, the music, aside from the songs, there is an interesting tidbit about the score to this movie. By the composer. About Angelo Benlamente. There you go. Right uh, off the top of your head you said that. <laughs> because, um, well, one, he appeared on our show as the guy who scored... Uh on Elm Street, Three Dream Warriors. Okay. Which we covered a couple of uh, years ago, uh, at the beginning of February or so, a couple years ago.
0: You're right. Christmas Vacation Medley is actually Christmas at Carnegie Hall from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, by composed by John Williams. But the, completely different. <laughs> but the oddest
1: thing about Ag- about Angelo Betalamete being involved in this movie yeah. is that he is best known as the guy who scored all the David Lynch movies. Yeah. And Twin Peaks. Yeah. So we I mean, talk about completely uh, other end of the spectrum. And it was it's it's
0: while they're isn't it at this time when when uh I guess Chevy Chase is visiting the the when they're composing stuff, when he's going to watch the recordings, he meets Shirley Walker. And he's hanging out with Shirley Wa- he he he
1: Runs into Shirley Walker at this time, and Shirley Walker is uh, one of the great unsung heroes of film scoring. Yeah, uh, in in a, in a man's in a man's man, in a man's world in a man's world. <laughs> uh, Shirley Walker was a great um, one conductor, but also composer who is best known to our generation as being the marvelous composer who created all of the music for Batman the Animated Series. Uh-huh. But she also worked with John Carpenter on um, Memoirs of Invisible Man yeah, with Chevy Chase yeah. uh, and Escape from L.A. Well, the reason...
0: So, um, I can't find my diary notes on it, but the reason why uh, she gets Memoirs of in Invisible Man is because Chevy Chase remembers running into her while... This was going on when the scoring of this movie was going on. And uh, at the time, Carpenter is pushing for, uh, I forget what other what, what, um, per, uh, composer at the time to do it. And he's like, uh, Chevy Chase is like, no, I, I want to veto that. And I'd rather you use Shirley Walker, this fabulous woman I met, uh, you know, some five years or so ago, who, uh, you know, when I was.
1: Well, it wouldn't have been that long. Yeah, right. I forget what year.
0: Uh, That was, you know, when I was doing Christmas Vacation. So because of that, that's how um, she gets to work with Carpenter. Carpenter says, "Okay, she scores that for Carpenter," and then she goes on to score Escape from L.A. with Carpenter as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was all because of Chevy Chase, you know, uh, you know, really putting in for her here and saying, "No, I want to use her here," as opposed to uh, whoever the person who I can't find her at the moment. Uh, you know, that, uh, what's-his-face, Carpenter wanted to use.
1: Now, unfortunately, Shirley Walker passed away, uh, I don't know, several years ago now. And is there, a, is there,
0: like, a little argument of people always equate Danny Elfman to the animated series, but then it may, could have been
1: that there's a lot of the leg room she picked up? She, I think Elfman wrote the theme. Yeah. Which is what we see at the beginning, you know, during the... Iconic opening of the animated series. Uh, But I believe Shirley Walker wrote all the other music for the animated series. And, of course, she was writing it in the style of Danny Elfman's music for uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies. Now, there's not a whole lot of information that I can find out about it. And I think I looked when we did Batman, the the original 89 Batman. Um, But there was always this contention that I think that Dion's alluding to. Is that there was always these rumors that she had kind of ghost written a lot of Batman eighty nine and and maybe Batman uh, re, uh, Batman Returns, but um, I just it was always like that people would say that, but I have never like I remember back when we did Batman eighty nine looking online for information and there really being no substantial published information about any of it. So and we it did do just, Batman the Animated Series as and well. And we did do Batman And we talked series. about her and Onnit and Elfman. So, I mean, that could have just been like weird rumors. And this was like, because we're talking about hearing these rumors.
0: Yeah, 25 years ago. Well, like,
1: you know, after the the movie, but before the internet was like, you know, what it is now. Yeah.
0: So It was like chat room boards or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
1: cool. who knows what the truth is there? Maybe it's just because she did such a brilliant job of writing the music in the style of the movie for the animated series that people jump to weird conclusions. Who knows? But that was a rumor 20-some years ago. Supposedly, she conducted... She was she, she. conducted the orchestra that performed the score for this movie. Like I said, she was a very talented, so, in addition to being a composer, very talented. So
0: conductor. Chevy Chase came to one of the recording sessions, met her there, and was so you know taken up by her that when he's doing Memoirs in 92, uh, Carpenter was pushing
1: Jack Nietzsche. Who did Starman for yeah, Carpenter.
0: Yeah, to score it, but Chase was against it, saying he remembered the recording sessions and he really liked her, and that's how he got her and suggested uh, Carpenter to hire her Carpenter must did his homework, went and then, like you said, went on to do that with her, and then do Escape from LA, where they did it jointly. So that's the that's my Shirley Walker bit right there. Yeah. So the opening sequences, I love the I love getting back to that. It's that I I love this, the the song, the Christmas uh, vacation song, and I love the idea at the beginning, the the whole that this that with the Santa coming and all, and it's Santa having like the Griswoldish problems of the you know, and it's and if you remember, it's like that. Even though it's animation, it has that element of kind of early, you know, CGI-ish, you know, there's elements of kind of like computer, you know, you could tell they're probably maybe doing the final aspects of the animation in a computer. It's not before you get the doors opening up with when we did Disney's Beauty and the Beast from yeah. 92, but you have elements where it looks like when stuff's blowing up or stuff, it kind of looks like they may have been using that. Sure. And, you know, and that is also not evidently that 89. Also, you have an animated opening sequence in, uh, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, which I, I haven't seen for so long. I don't remember that one. But I do remember Troop Beverly Hills also has like an uh you know, an animated opening sequence over the credits. Yeah. You know? And then it opens up on um, you know, the uh them driving and they're in Colorado and it's uh a very famous um you know, area of Colorado where they're doing the uh where they're going to get the tree and all that kind of a thing in the opening. Uh and that's very funny, him at the opening singing Christmas songs. That's almost like uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, what do you call that? It's, it's almost like a Christmas story when you have that famous thing of um, of them uh, singing in the car, you know, Dare McGavin and everybody sure. singing the Christmas songs and all that kind of a thing.
1: Now, it's interesting because um, the ages of uh, Rusty and Audrey, yeah, you know, they, they kind of fluctuate. And this this one, it seems to me that they're furthest apart in age. Um,
0: it gives it. It gives each movie has a different dichotomy. Yeah. Of you know it adds a different element. Where like uh, in the other movie when it's Anthony Michael Hall, like he's older, isn't he?
1: He's he's older, but they're closer in age. It's definitely, I, I always thought that Jason Lively's Rusty in European Vacation, who uh, was featured on a little episode that we did called <laughs> Night of the Creeps. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always thought he was older than Audrey in European Vacation, which probably. But here is uh, Juliet Lewis Audrey, is older than Rusty, and it, played it, by John Glecky who of course everybody knows nowadays from uh, Big Bang Theory. In Roseanne, and of course Roseanne.
0: And isn't I heard something where there's some sort of connection where Juliet Lewis came on one of those shows and played his girlfriend? She Baby was Ro- on
1: Big Bang Theory for like for a couple episodes. So like was, a he, cameo. was he? Was he?
0: Was he dating her or something? He like might that? have
1: been. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Um, and he's now
1: appears on the Connors, which is the
0: yeah the the off of the Roseanne show. Um, so you know it, it's funny that them that whole them with the Taurus or maybe it's a Mercury Sable them trying to get the the tree and then go you know getting run off the road or going onto the truck and then them walking out in the woods and they get so far away <laughs> and, and so you know them like all that it's just yeah it makes you laugh like all that, yeah. and then he gets to the tree and it's it's so uh, um you know. Obnoxiously big, and he wants to take that down and you get a little of that Blues Brothers light coming down. Like mm-hmm. he's like, "This is the one." And then, you know, did they bring a? Did anybody bring a saw? And then the next scene is that they've got it on the car, yeah. wrapped up. Well, they the, couldn't
1: cut it down, but they somehow managed yeah, to dig like, up
0: the roots. Oh, I don't know how they did that in the middle. And you can't bring the car up to that, but it, that doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> but it's matter. you know, and then the, even the funny thing with the big with the with the pickup truck at the beginning, and evidently that's the same pickup truck that was used in all aboard, uh, or oh, no, I'm sorry, overboard. That's like uh, Kurt Russell's pickup truck, or it's the, the it's a, it's featured in another movie. It's somebody else's pickup truck in some other um some other movie, which I forget now. But it's you know I I love that opening sequence, and then when they get to like the house and you know now the data of course met. I
1: remember that Julie Julie Lou Dreyfus was in it. Now in my head though yeah because that's been so long since I've seen this movie, her husband's character in my head was David Duchovny J- Juliette Lewis yeah. Not uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Oh, because Juliet Lewis's husband isn't California in a K
0: with Brad Pitt. Isn't David Duchovny in that movie? He might be. Yeah, he might have it. He, he might. might. Be. Um, but that's their connection. Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking it was I. It's been so long and since I, I saw this. and I have
1: figured out why I think that because why? I think he plays like a. I think I was thinking that his character in uh, Mom, uh, what's the one? Uh, uh, killed the, the babysitter. Was <laughs> uh, don't, um, um, don't 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 tell
0: mom mom the babysitter's dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dishes are done. I man. think
1: his character in that is what I was thinking of was uh, the guy in in this movie. But the guy who plays that character in this movie, uh, Julia Lurie Dreyfus's husband, the character of Todd Chester is Nicholas Guest, which is Christopher Guest's brother. Oh wow!
0: He, he, it, when he had his hair a certain when he comes out and they're talking to. uh, About the tree and all that kind of thing, and he's got the saw. Uh, He had a very much like Robert De Niro, circa Godfather Two, look going. he had (laughs) the glasses on. Like (laughs) I thought, was like he must. If he put a little mustache on, he could be like a A lookalike of the stuntman. Yeah, it could be a no Vito. Oh Vito. Yeah, uh, 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 the Corleone's or whatever that you know the oil (laughs) or was it? No, it's olive oil. Um, When I was, I kept thinking that this was the guy who was Demi Moore's boyfriend from i'm pretty sure it's nothing but trouble remember that guy who i who i think i i walked into once on sixth avenue i was passing and i was like that's the guy who at the time i was like that's the, the 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 guy who lives next door on christmas vacation but i think no he's the guy that's in uh, nothing but trouble no demi moore in that movie is, is hanging out with chevy chase but i feel like that guy isn't there another guy in that movie that's kind of like Anyway, uh, that's a movie I, yeah, I haven't even, seen. I haven't seen that even longer than I've seen the, this since one. Since the theater. Um, so, like, I like how you set up, like... I love how the advent calendar is used in this movie, you know? Like, you get in that little, like, set of time. Yeah, you know. It's also
1: tradition. Yeah,
0: and you get yourself your timetable, you know? I mean, st- movie starts in middle December. You get the the rush of, uh, you know... Uh, when I was little, I didn't realize it was Chicago. I thought it was New York City, because yeah. it looked very, like, Rockefeller-centered to me. So... Um, you know when they're in, in, they're doing their Christmas shopping, and you have the hilarious sequence where he goes up and sees the girl, uh, and he's talking to the woman there, and she's saying all the suggestive stuff, and you know th- that stuff is now I guess nowadays plays kind of hokey, but at the time everyone's eating that up. You know him him saying all that's very Chevy Chase, him saying the inappropriate words, and the girl just stands there and listens, and you know she's very uh, sensual and sexy, and then you know when he's she's showing her there's no panty line all that stuff with Ross I mean that's all very I mean when I was little I remember like you know I'm not going to say I had a heart on the theater but I was, you know, I was like oh my god this is so great you know it's like it's throwing one out you're, you're, you know for the for the kids our age back then yeah. you know
1: what I mean there was definitely a certain it goes to the sexuality 80s, you know. in 80s comedy we'll talk about the 80s early 90s comedy I mean of course you had Christy Brinkley in the original movie but sure I just feel like there was a, there was a certain sexuality of the time yeah I mean which we talk about I don't think it it exists anymore no in that that way yeah or it's socially
0: acceptable to do jokes like that We're like oh that's funny you know certainly not like the kids go running around like getting their their brother or their father's playboys or that kind of a thing that those jokes that you see like in Goonies or you see in uh you know, freaking um, Monster Squad, but this—it's like this is a Chris. This is a family movie, and you have that dream sequence of him like looking out the water and seeing her get out of the pool, and she's yeah. about to take her clothes off, and she's spit. You know, it's all slow motion, so the water's coming out and all that kind of a thing. Um, that's stuff, you—it's—it's it's funny that you really Which don't is see
1: like a little bit reminiscent of Fast Times at Richmond High. And yeah, with what's your face? <laughs> Which was directed by uh, Amy Hegeling, who did European Vacation. Yeah. It's all connected,
0: It's folks. all connected. It's, that's what we're finding out tonight. Um, so, yeah, I like this setup, too. It's, I mean, this is very much, it's kind of like he's a modern George Bailey. You know, like, I, you know, I, I like to say I live in a Frank Capra kind of world in my head. It's always Christmas. I always love Bedford Falls. It's interesting that you have Christmas vacation on in this movie. You have Christmas vacation on, like Lethal Weapon. You have Chris, uh, not Christmas vacation. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. You have in, it's a wonderful oh, life. on. it's public domain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you have it on in these movies about yeah. the, you know, the jokes about, you know, because it's public domain. It's like it having was, Night
1: of Living Dead on exactly. in every car movie.
0: Um, it's one of those things where they got their, their... They're real they found their audience by just being in public domain and being able to be on it's like March of the Wood well, Soldiers I think, you know, in I th- the seventies into the eighties.
1: I think that you know, Clark Griswold You know, I think he's striving for that capra esque you know what I mean? Like he's he, an idealist. Like and he, he wants has, to. But like I feel like yeah, there's a like he has nostalgia for it. Yeah. It's like in the in the short the Norman Rockwell kind of a in the world. short story of Christmas '59. It's the mother who wants to have this like picturesque. Yeah. Uh, it's established that she invites everybody over in, in the short story because she wants to have this kind of like Norman Rockwell esque. Yeah. Like Christmas where everybody's dressed yeah. and up. That's, and they,
0: that's another funny thing where he's the, the it's the first couple paragraphs. And he's like, she wants to have that kind of like, you know, Christmas special that you see with like the Bing Crosby, or whatever. And then the father, which I think is hilarious, he's like, he's like, well, they, they're always having fun in those specials because they're being paid. You know, yeah, the, yeah, The actors, you know, it's like, yeah, it's funny, you know, the Bob Hope kind of a the, thing. But
1: in the vacation movies, it's like Clark Griswold yeah. is like a man from another time, or at least nostalgic for. For this, like, Frank, Frank capra A man of my own heart. <laughs> you know, and so he's trying to capture this, the perfect, you know, road trip. Yeah. Or the perfect European trip to spend with his f- kids who are of the time that the movies are made, who are, like, 80s kids. Yeah. Who <laughs> are not
0: interested in that. And also, which is funny, it becomes a joke in itself that, you know, he he wants to be such a family man. He is such a family man. His head's in right the right place to be... Uh, the family man to provide for his family and be there for his kids and then his goal is to have these holidays to be able to spend more time with the family but then he's not even able to recognize I think that's a joke they do in Vegas Vacation that the kids are he's, he doesn't even know his kids well enough that they're. he doesn't realize that the, the, the different the, kids the, in the, yeah in every movie and that's even a joke in itself where yeah. they, they not only do they fit the movie they curtail the age to fit the story we're teen told but it's like he's striving for this perfect uh, you know, trip or whatever to, to have the the family bond more, but then he's not even realizing knowing enough to to realize that oh they're changing from movie to movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're right, he's he's going for this goal. He had it's like what anybody. Well, he's wants. a very innocent yeah. character, yeah. and he's very. But then he is every movie. It's like but he's know, a buffoon. Yeah, <laughs> it's a man of my own heart. And then he hits his breaking point. He gets so pushed so hard, like he just you, you know goes crazy. Far. far, yeah, you know. So. um I find that you know it's just it's admirable and that's maybe what I like about this where it's like you know yeah, you could see totally. you know you could kind of you can you know everybody's rooting for him everybody knows you know his head's in the right place and I think that every like you you say in other people in other casts that everybody's their you know the the, the lead he, hero, the hero in their the, story yeah. yeah and he is too and we could see that in the story and we could see what he's striving for and we could see why it messes up but we know
1: he's not he's, he has the best intentions but I think it's also why Clark Griswold has, like, endeared himself to the dads of our generation, like, our dads. And the, now the people of our
0: generation that are dads. Well,
1: yeah, but, yeah. like, you know, my dad, you know, my dad probably doesn't know the ca- a character name from any comedy made past 1960. Sure. But he knows Clark Griswold. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's become part of the American, and when, and when, uh, the and American He lexicon. puts up,
1: um, my dad puts up the Christmas lights in the house. He'll make a joke that, you know, it's you know he's uh, it's like the Griswold house. You know, it's it's become like in its own way, its own like zeitgeisty like lexicon. Yeah, shorthand for yeah. If you're overdoing <laughs> stuff on the house, it's the
0: Griswold. You know, you're going Griswold out and all that kind of thing. They shot in. Uh, Breckenridge, Colorado, and it's a very famous ski slope there where they do the the, uh, the ski later on. So they they went on location to to Breckenridge, Colorado to do some of that stuff. And that's interesting because really in the weeds, for the five people who may get this joke, when we, were t- when we do our Halloween talks and we're talking about the Disney cartoon shorts, there's that Disney cartoon with Donald Duck, where Donald Huey, Dewey, and Louie, where the uh, gorilla comes and visits and scares the hell out of him. On the radio, it says, an evil gorilla escaped from the zoo. That is all Breckenridge. And it's always Bre- and it's Breckenridge here. Anyway. It's but all, yeah, connected. It's yeah. all, <laughs> all connected yeah connected um this movie gets greenlit and it like we said, it's about 28 i think they 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 budgeted it for 28 million which is very a lot of money for a comedy and you look at like Ghostbusters, something we also covered on this podcast. That's budget 85, 84 to eighty nine is thirty million. Yeah, so it's almost the same Anderson budget. And
1: it's an effects heavy movie,
0: Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost a. It's a very heavy uh, primary location shooting on location movie too, which is other headaches, you know. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I mean. Grizz Clark it's just you know it's 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 just it's funny it just you know even like you know he's a very loyal husband but then it's like he has like it's weird you know watching him with christy brinkley like what's he gonna do is he gonna will he go cheat with christy brinkley you know because he's being lured like we identify with him but at the same time it's just like it's like the siren singing this this the the sailors in the rocks well
1: i think you know he's just
0: like it's like any guy you get a girl i mean you know i'm speaking as a stereotype now only for myself but you get a very good looking girl that all of a sudden is giving you which we just talked about this recently a girl oh the um uh, trick or treat, where the girls are being promiscuous to the guys. All of a sudden, guys yeah. are just like, "What? Well, they, they, this is not they're used to. They they yeah, melt yeah. like butter, and hence, like why uh, Clark when he's in the store, he can't say the right words or whatever. You know."
1: Well, I think you know that's I think an aspect of the story that we get the joke, but we don't really understand or relate to it as kids. Yeah, that we now as adult men. Yeah if you're in monogamous or, yeah, or relationships we can, we can totally relate to like yeah. the fantasy
0: yeah of, of that a... or suddenly a really good-looking woman is giving you attention out of the blue and all of a sudden you're like oh yeah you know you're like whatever you're saying you, you know you're tripping over your own words because you know you're you're faithfully married or you're in a, a relationship for very long you know so it's just funny all of a sudden this gets into play you know where he's later having the fantasy or her coming out of the pool which is very much like you said like fast times you know I think you
1: know like I said that's something that I think with Bing Crosby playing (laughs) (laughs) we definitely I think we can relate to it as adult men in a way that we (laughs) oh do I relate to it (laughs) in a way that we couldn't as children I mean we get why we get why it's supposed to be funny but I don't think we really understand it yeah like we do now
0: um so then, like, yeah. So this movie, he's inviting everybody over for the Christmas. Like you said, it's not the mother in this because even at the end of the short story, Christmas '59, the mom is fighting on the yard too. She's throwing punch. Everybody's fighting at the end of that. Where it's little. It's a Clark is the kind of the one that kind of loses it, and everyone's trying to keep Clark, Tom Clark, down near the Clark. end of it. Clark, <laughs> watch, watch Clark. Clark, watch him. I want to come in now. Um, you know, that's that's uh, what a great Christmas movie. John Carpenter's the thing. <laughs>
1: Uh, Tim Carpenter's Christmas Vacation. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Ooh, doom, doom. Um, but, you know, that's uh, another thing where, you know, he wants, like you're saying, he wants to have everyone over to have the the, it's the idealization of, which we see later when he locks himself in the attic. And there's a little homage to the story because on the box he finds... Uh, Christmas 59 he gets yeah, out yeah. the eight millimeter film he gets the little projector he turns it out he's wearing the glorious Swanson from uh freaking uh Sunset Boulevard hat you know it's yeah, yeah. actually in style now people are wearing because he's cold up in the attic uh he finds a a Mother's Day present he hid it away from it's you know for <laughs> 83 which is in the movie first movie come out <laughs> there are a lot and of that's really what I, I've done I've actually once or twice, I found a present that I was supposed to give to my wife six months later or a year later that was in the back of the closet that I forgot about. And I was like shit, so I had to re give it to her like a year later. I was like, this was from like six months ago, <laughs> you know. So it's so funny that yeah, that's that's something anybody could do. But then when he starts watching the 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 uh, home movies, which I thought when I was little were completely believable, they're done in such a lovely way, they look like home movies, but they're actually they're shot on the sets of uh, Bewitched, Samantha's House, and also what the new Gidget yeah you know those are the that's the front of the houses that they're on and then you you see that in that the aunt and uncle william uh hickey he comes over and she, they're the one giving him the toys and stuff out of the back of the car with the big cigar um we can get to them in a, in a bit though you know the other actors that fill out the role but and you're right he's he's remembering the, like we all do you we, we we all probably sit home and watch home videos now or look at pictures or photos of you know us growing up as kids and seeing those times and i'd say that most of us you know have a fondness for those memories you know for the most part of of holidays and stuff especially say if if all your extended family or your immediate family aren't with you anymore so it's nice to see you know he's sitting there and he's reminiscing so that's what he wants by god he's going to do it this year he's going to he's going to have that nice christmas and host the christmas with the extended family from both sides coming over and it's everything's gonna be fine, and it's gonna be all happy. Um, but then, like any other big family event, just you know, like it, like John Hughes writes in these short stories, it just everyone's arguing, it goes awry, you know.
1: Yeah, well, it's also just like I mean, stuff that's also in the short story, but stuff that's present in the movie. It's just there's so many things about it, and it's why it works, and it's become such a classic. A holiday classic is that there's so many things about it that are just relatable, like the yeah, idea of completely like you know having a bunk together to make room for <laughs> the guests yeah they're, yeah, you know you know, or you know there's there's a lot of little nods to to the short story in all that um. But uh, you know, bunking together and, and the and the dinner or the unexpected, uninvited guests of yeah. Eddie uh, and, and his family who, you know, they make their first appearance in the original Vacation movie.
0: And they must be they must have been so ho- popular because they're not in the short story. They must it you know they were so well received in the from the first movie with and and that was a, that's probably one of the main things I remember from the first movie is when they go out to what do they they live I think they're in Kansas. They stop that might be the short story where they're picking up the aunt and the dog. Yeah, yeah, but um. You know, he's got a stack of Playboys this big and then the other girl's is like, isn't she she's real sexy or promiscuous? The the da- his daughter in it. I remember all that being like really, like, wow and Yeah, well she ends up be she's the blonde in uh thirty rock. And I think she may reprise her role in in maybe that other movie. She might be back in the um in the direct oh, yeah. sequel. You know, with... with
1: vacation with, from 2015.
0: Yeah, or she might also be in the uh, the direct sequel to this movie. She plays, she's with them, and, or whatever. But he, he alludes to... So they can't bring them back for European vacation because they're in Europe. But this is the first one you can bring them back. And they do the same kind of thing. They get rid of their kids, and they get these kids in here. They get new kids, and then they allude to, like, she's, she's trying to fight the wild turkey, or, you know, and then he's... He's following his, he's dropped out of college or high school to follow his career. And he's like, that's good. He's like, he's going to be a carnival. You know, he's working his way up to whatever, oh, but the older kids, yes. yeah. But now he's 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 barking. He's a carnival barker for somebody, so and so, and she's terrible looking, but she makes him, you know she's a great cook, meaning that like <laughs> you know the, I guess the son is having you know is, is dating her, so they're you know cooking. So it's you know it's really funny. You bring in that aspect of the family member that you know, maybe the family doesn't like, but you have to be nice to. in Randy Quaid and all his yeah. his antics with his beat up RV. He, you know, with the sewage and all that stuff, or the kid that doesn't talk.
1: Yeah, and the, you know. well, there was a little moment when they go shopping, and he's buying all this stuff for the dog in <laughs>
0: Walmart, and he's putting all and he's like, and it's who's going to pay for all this? But he's just buying the same stuff.
1: Yeah, but there was part of that I never noticed. It. Maybe I did notice, but it's been so long. Where he's like, he puts the food, dog food on top, and then Clark puts a light, put like takes light bulbs. Yeah, puts it on, and then he gets the yeah, then he food. throws it. Then he throws another thing of, and just like crushes the light bulbs, and then it's never like mentioned, or I don't think Clark even like notices it. Yeah, but it was just like this funny, like joke that just like. P- could pass by anybody there's if you're a not l- paying attention. There's
0: around. a lot of subtle Chevy Chase jokes in this where you have um where he uh like you know where is it what's what scene is it where he turns he's like Rate and he's like "I'm right here" he's like "Oh hey" uh, <laughs> you know like that's a that's a joke that like you know you may not get the first time but it's a just you, yeah, you, yeah. you know there's a lot of like like really subtle you know, the astute eye has to see this or that that's in here that's really funny that, you know, that they're playing with here or there uh, that you may get on a couple, you know, the third or fourth view. And like, for instance, them you know, when, when he's drinking with Randy Quaid and they're, they've got the Wally World glasses, which are now a phenomenon. I mean... This movie yeah, yeah, yeah. we could talk about. But later. they're not even
1: in the whole movie. They're only in that one. Yeah, scene. and
0: it's and it's the Wally World. It's it's they're drinking the uh, the puncher eggnog uh, out of the, those two, and then they have a Wally World. Uh, it's a proper bowl, and you can get those online now. The yeah. glass ones are quite expensive, but they're nice. But there's cheaper plastic ones.
1: I mean, they really. I think that uh, like Hallmark has a has oh, a yeah. he has a few like ornaments. Yeah, I and, have and, one of them. And there is the, there is a Wally World glass as one of the ornaments. Yeah,
0: they have uh, him. I think maybe um Clark with like sh- uh with like the the lights all over him with the ha- Christmas hat on is one of them and there's something maybe or him on the sled every but yes Hallmark has a has a bunch of Christmas vacation ornaments there's a lot of like sweaters I have a Christmas vacation shirt that's a christmas yeah. you know it's it's the uh it's their car with the uh with that, with the tree on it, and you don't even get the. That's another thing I remember when I was really, really little. Is the hybrid weird ass station wagon they get that might not actually be a station wagon. It's like whatever they made for the movie. Yeah. Um. Uh. I remember him getting that thing, in the, you know, I remember how little that was funny when I watched that. You know, him getting that green, that green machine. Um. But uh, it's just you know, it's hilarious the the subtle jokes you know were that or like you know when he touches he breaks the thing in the, in the kid in the living room and he oh, <laughs> you know I mean well, <laughs> you know, it's just like a of,
1: <laughs> yeah well that's the that's the thing is like the jokes to me as an adult anyway yeah the ones that that I actually will chuckle at or laugh at are the ones that just pass by yeah and are not Even, ever like uh. uh like recognized by the characters like yeah. he goes over he touches it and it just all falls
0: apart and he just keeps going and then the rest <laughs> of the scene uh, Clark's trying to put it back together and it won't stick you know that thing uh, just all that little stuff that's just hilarious you know when when the, um, the it's hilarious when you have that the in-laws you hear the, the ding dong and then you have the the, the sound's slowing, ding, dong, you know, because they're finally here and you have the Zoom and then they open the door and you have, they're all, they're already arguing, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's funny in this short story, they're saying that they're coming from 300 miles away in different directions, but they come neck at neck running down the street because there's such a, uh, 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 kind of a competition between the, the different fathers that, the don't, grandpas, like, yeah, that yeah. don't like each other. And then the fight of, there's only one free space in the garage who's getting the space. They're arguing, they're going to flip a coin, best out of three, they're going to do this. And like, no, you know, how much, and they're always like making digs at each other. Um, But you have the great John uh, Rudolph playing um, Clark's father. You have Diane Ladd, who is playing Clark's mother, who's only 54 when this movie comes out. She's 53 when they film it. She's 54 when the movie comes out, but they're talking about how old she's supposed to be. She's only, I think, eight years older than Clark or or Chevy Chase's in real life.
1: I mean, watching it this time, because now not as a kid. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like Clark's mom is kind of
0: hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, they're, she's playing herself older than she is. Yeah. Uh, you have the great E.G. Marshall, who we just talked about in Creep Show, playing a uh, Creep Show uh, cast member. Yeah, Ellen's she's he's playing.
1: Uh, we also mentioned cause Ellen's mom because al- he's also in uh, uh, Superman Two. He's the president. He's the president of Superman Two, and then even when we did Creep Show, he gets mentioned because he's also in. Uh, Two Evil
0: Eyes. He's in Two Evil Eyes, yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the, the yeah. He plays Strange uh,
1: Case of Voldemort. Ellen's
0: dad. Uh, and uh, Doris Roberts, who people will know now from Everyone Loves Raymond. Or she, from a
1: particular movie that I love, Grandma's Boy.
0: Yeah. She plays um, um, Ellen's mother in that. Um, and then you have um, the, the extended family come over. Uncle Lewis is played by William Hickey, who we just brought up. In Tales from the Dark Side, yes, cool. we,
1: I think we brought, we might even brought up in Tales from the Crypt because he's in that episode, because he's of, in that Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger directed, directed episode
0: <laughs> with the guy who's the boyfriend in Terminator, and you you brought up whatever what's oh, the other Roxanne, thing, Roxanne, yeah. Roxanne, and his wife in that Mae uh Questel, I think it is. Uh, she, we talked about her in Who Framed Roger Rabbit because she's the voice of Betty Boop, uh, the original Betty Boop from 1930. And she's in, because Betty Boop is in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. She's like, I still got it, Eddie Boop. Yeah, she recorded her. This is her last appearance in a movie, and she ends up passing away 10 years later, like 1998. Um, but what I found interesting is, which adds a lot to this, is that uh, you think of generations of our, like you're saying about going for our, our, our parents' comedy, is that they, they are supposed to be uh, Burns and Allen. He's supposed to be George Burns. She's supposed to be Gracie Allen. And the the parody that if you ever, anybody ever watches the Burns Allen or listens to the show is that they're comedy team that they were in real life they're married is that she was a ditz they tried to do it where he was a ditz and she was the smart one but then when they switched the act and made her the ditz that was when it was really popular so they got a very lucrative radio show and series and everyone i would think knows who george burns is gracie allen i think died tragically in the late 60s and that was really sad that she died so early on because he lived quite yeah. longer. He died when he was w- either, I think he hit 100 or he was a little older, uh, smoking a stogie everywhere. But they wanted George Burns to, p- to play in the movie and I don't know why if, you know, if he didn't answer or he said no or he'd dec- I can't see why he would decline because at that time, you know, he was doing a lot of stuff. He's doing Disney stuff. He's doing the old God movies. Yeah. So I would, assume I would think he'd say yes and unless he was maybe there was a, uh, a a conflict because of schedules yeah but that's why you kind of look at William Hickey he's kind of got the George Burns wall he's talking like you know he's got the the stogie like that she comes in and she's doing um, Gracie Allen times 100 where she's you know she's like I don't know where I am like all that <laughs> hilarious I mean I remember yeah. the, the, all that stuff I was laughing my ass off even in the trailer when I saw this when I was little she's standing up and pledging allegiance to the flag, you know, and his, even, it, you know, Clark is like looking at her and everyone just, and then what's his face, gets Randy Quay, gets up because you got to, you got to play, when someone's yeah, you got to yeah. put your heart, you know, so I didn't realize that's all supposed to be Burns and Allen comedy, you know.
1: Maybe that's why he didn't do it though all oh, because it was such a well because yeah. he didn't want to do yeah, that of,
0: without Gracie yeah that's maybe. a good point yeah that's sad you know but could I, be who knows I yeah, mean yeah, but speculating yeah. but I mean it's just so that's. but yeah, now that
1: you mention it like I didn't think about that yeah. until, until now of course you know Deanna and I We'll watch Burns and Allen on antenna te- television. Yeah, that and, <laughs> and Jack Benny. We go back and forth. You know,
0: we love it. And they may even be on ETV too, but uh, I mean, that's what, cool.
1: what are those antenna channels? I can't yeah, remember which and one you know, was.
0: I'm obsessed with Jack Benny and did Burns and Allen. It's such great radio and, and TV stuff. So it's just so funny that that's another thing like that. And you know that that the the idea going back there. And I I think we've said already, but you got like you know at least four cast members of Saturday Night Live. You have Chevy Chase. You got. Um, Julia Louise Dreyfus, You got freaking um, uh, Randy Quaid was on for a minute You have You uh, might have
1: been on In the same year as Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah it's
0: that, it's that It's right around like That weird year or more, Robert Mort- Mort- Downey Robert Downey Jr. was on <laughs> You know and uh, A lot and of Anthony weird Michael Hall, Michael the first Hall And day. maybe even What's his face Gilbert Godfrey was on Around that time you know? He was
1: on during the time of uh, Eddie Murphy and And Joe Piscopo and Joe Piscopo but um, I don't think he ever really got on. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and then also. But also, um, Brian Doyle yeah, Murray,
0: who's Bill Murray's brother. So he plays. He was part of the National Lampoon crew. Yeah, and he plays a great role. Your subplot in this movie, which I really like too, is, you know, in the job I work at, um, you know, some people give us bonuses at the end of the year. And I've noticed it kind of upsets me where it's like people start to expect the bonuses. And, you know, then around this time, they start doing FaceTime with the people going to give you the bonus. Like, hey, how was everything? Good to see you again. I'm glad, you know. And then not that people hold their hands out and it's counterintuitive my argument i'm making to this movie but i kind of i don't like when people expect the bonus you know you shouldn't expect it you know i mean i understand their point if you're getting it every year you know crap you should tell them if you're not getting it this year but you know i don't know i've never
1: gotten one because i work freelance (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so it's hard when you when you expect the bonus and then you know you're then it's one thing you're getting the bonus oh yeah but then when you're like like he is he's putting a deposit all right down on an ingrown an in, indoor uh, underground un, uh, underground pool yeah, yeah. to get this going you know in the basement <laughs> you know oh amazing with lights and so that's why it's so much money um so he's waiting for this for this bonus is supposed to be coming and you know and the other guy who's his his work associate in it uh is in a ton of movies my his name escapes me too his his coworker,
1: you know yeah, that he's of having course uh I mean, I think for our, for me anyway. Yeah. How he, I was always, uh, I associated um, Brian Doyle Murray most. Get with, a life. Well, no, but the Chris uh, w- Waves World. He plays Noah's arcade. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he is <laughs> in Wayne's World. So he's always to me. He's always that guy. Even though obviously I saw this before that, but yeah, so that, was, that was the time that like really registered. Oh, that guy. And so, then, so every time I see him, it's always like, oh, that's the guy from Wayne's World.
0: Me, I think I'm almost. I'm almost sure he was in Get a Life. The uh, Chris. Um, What's his name? Elliot. Show Chris Elliott show that 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 which has become a kind of a weird cult classic now. Yeah, with well, REM star at the beginning. Stan, <laughs> that was, a, it by it was the very face much ahead of, of its time. Yeah, that show. Um, but uh, the subplot is hilarious, where it's like you know he comes down from the thing and he's and he's. Uh, it, it, for me, it was very reminiscent of, the, of LBJ at the moment because if you listen to the tapes of uh, Johnson talking to like speechwriters, he's like, you know, I want you to write me a speech, but I don't want none of that technical malarkey in it. I want yeah, you yeah. simple words so people can understand. And it's like what he's saying here is like, you know, I I, listen, Griswold, I don't want you know. It's, well, like it's about f-
1: the th- the thing that I found funny, which is again, I think a joke that it's never referenced in the movie, is that when he comes in with the present. And he puts oh, the present down there, and every present is exactly the same shape and yeah. size. Like, everybody got it the same thing. And what it's supposed to be is, uh, and I kind of remember this, in the late 80s, the
0: stationaries were huge. Yeah. So the speculation is, if you look at it, um, it looks like it's a stationery with, like, you know, the L, with, the, you know, you put you could put, like, your, you know, your Post-it notes, your paper clips, your yeah, pens yeah. in. So everybody's getting them that year, the same kind of, and that's something like, I feel like, even going back to the, there's an episode, the Christmas episode of The Honeymooners, where... Uh, you know he, he he's gonna get his wife uh, a matchstick made in China and it's some sort of thing. Then somebody else gets it for her and then so it's like you know all, you know everyone's getting everybody the same gift you know. But it's so it's funny when yeah he's he's going in there to ask him hello what's going on and uh, he's like get out he leaves the you know he's trying to he wants to get the bonus and then you get the advent card uh, calendar that's kind of showing like um, you know uh, times a, a, a going it's it's just. Um, You know, it's funny, you know, like when he's putting the lights up, all that outdoor stuff, the headache of trying to stay in the festive spirit. Yeah, I mean, I
1: don't know if kids, I don't know if kids today, or even kids really of our generation, dealt too much with the idea of if one bulb was out on a string of lights. Oh, I did. That That was
0: all... I had to do that all the time on the tree if one bulb I learned that if one bulbs out, the whole thing will go out or my dad would put the thing was my dad was they must have fixed that by now though. oh yeah yeah There's, <laughs> there's, a, there's all yeah because then you have different fuses and stuff like if you For long as that was the other thing too is it was hard because one bulb was the fuse bulb and you get the extra and you had to figure out like it was the white bulb was the fuse bulb or the bulb with the the white bulb with the orange tip was the fuse bulb um and my dad would go outside he' put like the stuff all up one year he'd put the tree he'd do it on the tree outside he'd do it on the on the gutter on the outside sure, yeah. and around the front door, and then he would try to cheat it by leaving it up all year. Yeah, yeah. But what would happen is I don't know if my dad would tell you all this. He was always art. He'd always be pissed about it, is that over the course of the year, staying there is the squirrels would come and, and eat everything away. And they'd eat everything and then drop the stuff. So the actual the ball with the socket in the lo- the wires would fall on them so in the middle in the lawn. Lo- you know, in the summer I'm mowing the lawn. We're going over this stuff, <laughs> and then none of it would work. And he'd have to tear it all down and then put. It back up, and then my mom's like, "You shouldn't leave it up. See what's happening when you leave it up." There was you know,
1: a house when I lived in Portchester, uh, which around we just the, brought up two weeks ago, <laughs> right around the corner uh from my house. That was really kind of the. It was the most. I mean, the house itself was then. A lot of the houses in the neighborhood were, were much smaller than the Griswold house, but in terms of decoration was like the closest to the Griswold house that I can imagine, like lights covering the whole damn house. And they did leave the lights up all year. Did they they, they leave them on? No. But (laughs) but it was was always this house with just like strings of lights all over this house. And, uh, and then once December, or once Thanksgiving would roll around, they'd flick the switch. And, <laughs> they, <laughs> and, you know, and
0: that's another thing, too, you know, is the um, the idea of, like, when, when, you know, the joke of when the whole shit would turn it, plug it in. You have the joke with the plugs, which you get from Christmas Story, where there's so many plugs on top of plugs in the garage, and they're flicking that switch, yeah, which yeah. is the circuit switch. And then the, when the lights are going on, the, how brilliant it looks, and it's hilarious The you know, having the next door neighbors, having all that shit that they're the lights and all that the the the, the
1: gags with them. Well, even just and the, the meter first running. joke when he pulls it out and it's like a basketball. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah we got a knot.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kids may not know that too. When you get the shit out, you have to that, take an hour to uncoil stuff and have to f- run out. And I love that. You know, when you, you see like the, the at the at the power plant, the, the the whole block goes of the city, and they have to put the the, the backup on, and then you you see their their meter outside is going, <laughs> <laughs> you know. All all that's great. Um, for me, you know, it's another thing too is the house changes every movie as well. There's three different houses, and the third, in one you know, the different Chicago, it almost suits the houses they're dealing yeah. with or the story. This one was on the back lot. Um,
1: Warner Brothers, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's the it's a famous, I think it's called like Blondie Street, is the street that they live on. And it's also the street, if you look next door, the house that uh Dreyfus lives in with her boyfriend is actually the uh lethal weapon house. The Murtaughs live there. So if you look at the layout of that house, you can kind of tell. Oh, it is the Murtaz house where you know uh, Joshua and Riggs are going to fight it out <laughs> in, you know, around Christmas time.
1: <laughs> it was just a couple years before that yeah, they
0: had that big fight, and there was the water sprinkler. And let them fight, let them fight, and they outside. Riggs, you're so crazy, Riggs. You know, <laughs>
1: he's, he's got his
0: knife. He's got you know his, his legs around. Yeah,
1: I'm kill him. Clark so, you know, inside. Yeah, he's looking out. That's they're that's watching that's a silent. Christmas. They're
0: watching a Wonderful Life in the never in the house too, and all that. And they're like, wow. And then they're remodeling and that's when they have Lethal Up and Two with the South Africans, um, you know, the, with the cougar ants and all that kind of a thing. Um, what's his face? Um, rusty. Um, uh, Johnny. Uh, Galecki. Yeah. He's saying that it's sad that uh, two things with him. He was saying that he had a, a really poignant scene, I guess, in a version of the script where he talks between him and his dad and he didn't think he really needed to do it. Uh, they were supposed to have a heartfelt one-to-one father-to-son chat, and when they were getting around to filming it, he was like, you know, I don't think I really need that. And uh, so like, okay, so they kind of cut that scene, and to this day, he still kicks himself in the ass. He thinks they should have had that scene together. Um, And he also said growing up, uh, he said in, in a Variety interview, that back then he didn't think his comic timing was very good at being at that young of an age. He had some really comic lifting to do. So Chevy Chase would got to coach him on like this is how good you know your timing in this and also at the time uh they're being sh- since they're shooting on the Warner Brothers lot he would bring him the sets next door and he brought him to the Ghostbusters 2 set so he got to meet hang out with Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and see those guys you know on set Rick Moranis and also s- filming next door as well was Harlem Nights so he was, he's seen Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy all there, Arsenio Hall, and he was like, you know, these comedic legends, yeah. um, I'm getting to meet at such a young age that Chevy Chase, is just like in, in the lunch break, he's like, come on with me. And they're going next door and they're seeing, they're going to those sets and meeting those guys. You know, uh, it's, 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 it's really astounding. Um, For me, you know, I don't know if Juliette Lewis is my favorite because I have such a, polarizing memory of her as, from the, the quintessential gore of Cape Fear yeah. so I always think of, like she's going to start going into that the magic of that summer was that we never <laughs> spoke of Max Cady again and he lives forever in our dreams you know it's like so I don't know if she's my favorite uh, uh, Audrey but I think she's still you know great in the movie
1: well you know her it's interesting because by making them by making their ages um different in making him like a few years younger it does like you said they kind of set up the they, they cast it to like the dynamic they need for the movie and so she is like an older teen which yeah. is she is of the age of like she's so over it and that family you know, she wants to be by herself like you know she, she doesn't want people calling or she's like she doesn't want to have her picture taken outside the, or people drive by and see her outside of the house <laughs> like that's not something with and your like, dad <laughs> um Whereas uh Rusty in this being a little bit younger, there is like a little more of like uh He's kinda still into the like a loving father-son relationship where he's like not old enough to be rebellious. Yeah. But he still kinda of looks up to his dad a little bit. Yeah. Um and so that comes across whether they had that scene that you're talking about or not. You know, yeah. He's he's like, Well it was a good try, Dad. You know? Yeah. Like he's He's not kind of a jerk, uh, like one would get maybe a year or yeah, two old when older, <laughs> starting to
0: rebel in that you know in the adolescent years. And Frank Capra Kapler, Kapler is connected to this movie because evidently his grandson, like Frank Capra the third, yeah, is an yeah, assistant director on this. Yeah, I was gonna say um, some of the credits. And I, I love the the, the uh, Beverly D'Angelo character in these movies because I love that her the mother. She's a mother, but she's also very sexy. She has like that that marriage spark with him or wherever the chance they get they're still trying to have an intimacy between themselves and it's that joke of like the you know the parent's still trying to have a sex life you know yeah, so yeah. that that I love how that comes across here or also how she doesn't she kind of lets him do his own thing she doesn't you know they Don't get into huge blowout fights as you think they may be, you know. W- when well, she starts kind going accept yeah, and she kind of <laughs> also tries to help him. And even when things a- are bad, she tries to take his back, you know.
1: Well, there's all you know, there's a lot of these jokes that play because we know the previous two movies were just like, when have you known me to, yeah, exactly. th- you know, get you know, I'll. Uh, you know, either blow things out of proportion or, uh, you know, go overboard or well, have my expectations be too high. And
0: it's like at the end of the movie, remember, they're like, oh, this is our first kidnapping, which is not because they kidnapped John Candy in the first movie to write the rides at the end of Hollywood, yeah, yeah. you know.
1: So that's funny. Um, you know, there's for anybody who's an avid uh, podcast listener, and I've plugged this podcast numerous times on Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. But she has a, fa- a really entertaining interview on the Gilbert Gottfried
0: Beverly D'Angelo, yeah, yeah, uh,
1: podcast. Gov Godfrey's Super Colossal, whatever it's called.
0: Um, and supposedly there is a Blues Brothers reference at his office. That you see the epoxy, the air grade marine epoxy that uh, uh, what's his face Elwood works when oh, okay. he steals the stuff. That's what yeah, he puts yeah. a glue, powerful stuff. That's supposed to be in his office, but it's just a different like. Uh, marking on the can and even the end when they when he goes and he kidnaps uh the boss and brings him back uh and they have that I mean it's it's so 40s where he's like you know you're right I shouldn't have done you know it's like the moral like all that really changed his heart but then even in the theater I love the end where the SWAT police are coming to to Gene Autry I grew up listening to Gene Autry's Christmas records, so you know the singing cowboy for me was ever present when I was little or omnipresent present so it's like hearing that like here comes santa claus was like i was so into it when the cops are coming down the roof and they come into the windows it's yeah. so over the board and then when they calm him down and it's like you didn't give a christmas but i
1: if i had a rib of holy, it's like
0: <laughs> that's i laughed my ass like okay that's enough that's enough or the she improv grabbing his crotch yeah you yeah. know because the, to see if that would stay in as a joke um you know i love all that stuff it's just you know and at the end of the movie it's like you know he's fighting he is like a like I said, he's kind of like a modern George Bailey. And it's so poignant at the very end of that movie when you, when you see like almost the Aurora Borealis, the lights, or they see the, the Christmas star. Yeah. And he says, you know, his last words is, I did it. Like the end of the movie ends with he, No matter what the fuck just happened, he he did it. it he, he was able to accomplish what he wanted. And I love the sequence. I love that pullback at the end when they're on like a crane shot or a jib. And it comes away. He's sitting there, standing there with the... And it's, in, it's not a freeze shot. It's a slow pan or, or, or pull back. And he's with the dog. And he's looking down. And they have the, the Christmas Vacation song again. And it's you know and it goes pretty far back. And then it finally go. You know, it's I liked it over the credits. Yeah, yeah, I find that so sweet and so nice. Um, oh, also, there's a sound effect when, when he's on the gutter. And he throws that... When he falls off the gutter and that big ice block goes through their window and hits their CD player. You hear that effect... Sounds so much like Disney's black hole. There's a sound effect like, that I don't know later if it ends up, if they stole that from Disney, the black hole, or if that's just a sound effect in a music library that was used in black hole. Yeah. But it's just funny. That sound effect sounds so much like a, a, a black hole. There's a part in a black hole that uses that sound effect, if anybody knows that, um, as we wrap up
1: here. Yeah. Also, the guy that plays his co-worker, Bill. Yeah. Sam McMurray. That's who I uh, He yeah. was a very popular face for us. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And he, I first remember him from the Tracy Ullman show. So oh, he comes yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. from like a sketch comedy background, also. Sure. Tracy Ullman. <laughs> it was a sketch comedy show. For those that didn't know, that I think it was on Fox. Yeah, that that was where The Simpsons originated. Yeah, they used
0: to do shorts on uh, on there that turned in that got got us to Simpsons.
1: And the guy who play, who voiced uh, Homer was on that show. Yeah, and
0: doing stuff, doing and uh, Marge. They were all like
1: sketch comedy actors on that. show.
0: Yeah, and then this this is the same neighborhood that people see in the, that watch the middle that show. That's this is shot on the Warner Brothers back lot it's the same neighborhood uh, and this is a movie that ends on Christmas Eve so technically you don't even see Christmas morning when they're opening all the presents like in the in the story the short story you have the, they're trying to open the presents in the dark and they're passing the flashlight around yeah, and all that yeah. kind of a thing the Aunt Hazel falls down the, sti- the cellar <laughs> stairs and lands on the couch and she's wandering in the dark in the cellar um so, I mean, this movie comes out, and, it, and it, it's very popular. It's, it does a lot of money. People are very excited. I saw it. You saw it in the theater. I loved it. I remember getting it on video, watching the shit out of it. I mean, it was it premiered so much. It was on so much so that it became like A Christmas Story in the past maybe 20 years that it became a, a staple on TV, uh, uh, on cable, to the point where now it's considered, um, you know, like you said, there's few movies you can think of that are like, Really, aside from Christmas Story or the or, uh, Elf, or you know, uh, I think um, Four Christmases, or even the other the Christmas, what's the one that uh, the the British one everyone loves now? The, the,
1: the Love Actually. Love
0: Actually. Those are becoming Christmas staples, and you know, Christmas Vacation is one of those that are, um,
1: you know, that have begot a cult following. I just watched a ver- what I thought was a very cute, entertaining movie, which is on Disney Plus. Sure. Uh, it's called Noel. it has got a little hater, and uh, I have that in my uh, my queue. <laughs> in your queue, I just watched it over the weekend.
0: Good, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Although well, you actually. know I'm going to like it. And then even I like at the end where he's like, you know, we, when Clark loses his mind and he's talking about, you know, we're going to have much time when Ben Crosby tap dance with fucking Danny Kaye, <laughs> which is, you know, a, uh, uh, what do you a white Christmas reference, which is, you know, very funny. Um, I mean, this is we said that this has gotten so much of a, of a, of a cult following where if you live outside of uh, Cleveland, there's in Wadsworth, Ohio, there's a guy who puts up every year, Greg o- Osterland, I hope I'm pronouncing his, him and his family, they do their house out, they're super fans in the movie, they do their house out to look like this every year, and recently they've even brought Cousins Eddie's banged up RV, they've added to the thing, and uh, if you go to a state dedicated a, a site, they're encouraged, you're encouraged to go to their site and make donations because it hel- helps, uh, cystic fibrosis, uh, that foundation for there, if you want to make a donation. Uh, and you know, um, this was so popular that in 2012, old Navy, remember they reprised everybody and they had people that everyone come back, uh, to do some old Navy commercials. We actually had all three, two out of the three sons and you're, or you had a lot, you know, you had multiple sons from the movies in the commercials and you had new kids even as a joke in the commercials as a new, you know, they look at them and they're like, we're the new kids. Like I think Anthony Michael Hall, uh, what's his face from this from Night of the Creeps? Jason Lyme, yeah, he, they're Yeah, Ethan,
1: Ethan Embry plays Rusty in Vegas Vacation who was then Dutch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it
0: all comes back, you know, and it's so much so where... Which was
1: also written by John Um Price.
0: And then we said, what did we say, in 2000, what is it, 14 or 15, they did a latest one where they do. They have Rusty's grown up, and Rusty's trying to do a cross-country trip where he's yeah. going to go Yeah, well, visit it was originally going
1: to be a remake. Yeah. And then they decided to make a sequel, and instead of having, like, another Clark Griswold, it was Rusty trying to take his family on a vacation.
0: And it's kind of sad because um, when you talk in 2012, they were talking to uh, Chevy Chase, and he was talking about him and Beverly D'Angelo were trying to restart, a, like I said, that plot about them yeah. going up. and. It ends up they do it, but they don't do there. They they get new people, and they end up having them cameo at the end in it, you know, uh, as themselves. But um, that I saw, and I actually liked it a lot better than I thought it would. I thought it was very hilarious, and for people who haven't seen it, there's a lot of funny sequences in it. Yeah, I and don't really
1: a, remember it, but I remember liking it when I watched there's
0: it. There's a very funny scene where they go visit um, uh, down south. They go visit her, Christina Applegate's brother, and it's uh, Hel- Helmsworth, Thor. Oh yeah, you know, and he's this super nice guy, but he doesn't like him because he's this. I think he, I don't know if he's a conservative because he's in Texas, or but he's really rich and they're they're But he's so nice. And remember, they're on RVs and there's and it's everything that he wants to be. Where he's like good looking. He's his <laughs> yeah. wife's. And then there's a. Do you remember the really? F- Hilarious scene where he's, or you know, he's the um, Rusty's complaining to Christina Abigail, wife, like this place. I can't, you know, he's so nice and I hate it. And he's and he knocks on the door and he comes in to say goodnight to them. And he's in his boxer briefs and his penis, the head of his penis is hanging out. <laughs> you remember that? And he's walking around the room and he's like, Show like if you guys need anything, but it's just it's like halfway down his thigh coming yeah. out of his boxer briefs. Then he leans in, he's like, If you need the remote, and it's like, and it's right in his face. And, and then they in the credits, they do they show clips and uh, pictures of where they all were and that the last picture is like them have a picture and he's like his penis hanging out down the bottom it's very funny um so yeah this is a classic you know i think i hope we didn't skip over too much of uh anything else uh that we should have included in this i mean there's so much to talk about um uh, you know the, the, the crazy at the end with the squirrel in the house and yeah, then the yeah. cat getting electrocuted they almost were going to put the cat bit in they changed it from a dog to a cat in the movie uh, they were worried uh, audiences would be offended but you know people love that you know the cat getting killed and the, with the lights and all that so that's all great it's very iconic now them opening the tree up and everything breaking you, know,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know Yeah. and well yeah I mean it's a uh, it's a classic it's you know. a Christmas classic a yeah. holiday classic um,
0: and I'm glad we, we, we
1: we've, we've we chose I know, it, and I know we've plugged a million of our previous episodes in this cast because everything's connected. Everything's connected, <laughs> but uh, we have previous years' worth of holiday movies. So, if you want to have your own 12 Days of Christmas, at you can this listen point, to us. You yeah. could
0: probably almost do that. <laughs> yeah, we've done Black Christmas. We've done Christmas. Uh, we did Ernest Safe's Christmas. We did Emmett Otter. We did Lead the Weapon. We've done Santa Claus the Movie. We've done Star Wars the Holiday Special. We did. Die Hard. What's um, the other one you, with Paul Williams? Uh, the 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 night they saved they Christmas. <sighs> We did the night they saved Christmas that's great which we didn't know was an unofficial sequel to Sorcerer <laughs> <laughs> go listen to that podcast uh, to know why you remember what happened down in, in down in um, Brazil there with that that other family so um, but uh, yeah great stuff who knew how many times Paul Williams was on connected to the Christmas movies and Dudley Moore mm-hmm. remember we did the Dudley Moore oh, yes, Santa Claus, movie. Santa Claus John movie John Lifko yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah with the with that goes back to Superman 2 so this was fun and you know we have a surprise coming back next week in two weeks to, to end the 2019 season we're gonna knock it with a bang um, I don't know we, I, we probably shouldn't give a hint away at it because no. people can get it uh, well we'll give you a hint it's a Christmas movie <laughs> right and that's good a good enough hint uh, I, I like how we did a sequel in this one yeah. that was pretty cool almost reprising the summer sequels
1: little summer you know? sequels reprisal reprisal yeah reprisal.
0: So. Uh, check us out. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on uh, Twitter. Twitter. Uh, we're on our own hashtags. You can uh, like our stuff. We have our own site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. We'll put the extra of the short story uh, for this in here as an extra. You can check extra content out there. You can always like us, interact with us, retweet us, ask us questions, suggest movies for us to do. Uh, you can check us out at our own stuff. Dion Baya, Jay
1: Blake, score to death. Score to death. Uh, I've asked her to death on most social medias. Uh, of course, uh to Death, the podcast, but also the book, squirted to Death, Conversations with Some of Horror's Greatest Composers. And you're in the, you're knee-deep in writing the sequel. And I'm knee-deep in writing the sequel. We should also mention the Saturday Night, Movie, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers is now on Spotify.
0: We're on Spotify. You can get us on Spotify, which is a great um, thing for us uh, and also opens us up for new people to listen to. We had to. some
1: people asking for a long time, and I think the ru- the rules changed at some point about how you could get on Spotify. And so now we are on Spotify.
0: And uh, we're also... Along with that, we're on iTunes, which is now called, what, Apple Podcasts? Apple
1: Podcasts.
0: We're on iHeartRadio, we're on Stitcher, Player FM, all the other places where you're listening right now to this. Uh, I have uh, Blood in the Streets. It's uh, if you like detective fiction, historical fiction, 70s cop movies. Uh, if you like The Doors or classic rock or music in general, you might like it. It's available on Amps- Amsterdam again. It's
1: on Amazon. It's <laughs> Amsterdam. on. Amsterdam.com. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. We're going to that. What the <laughs> fuck? Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes Noble. Any place you get books, you can get it in paperback, ebook, or audiobook. Blake's book is in paperback and ebook form. Yes. Uh, and I'm also working on another book, not a direct sequel to Blood in the Streets but something else um, that was a screenplay that I'm adapting which is going to be hopefully pretty as awesome as I anticipate it to be Uh, and um, yeah we got some stuff planned for the new year we'll we'll see if that all pans out and um, my how time flies and uh, let's give a shout out to uh, clns.media clnsmedia.com our our Uh, people we've hooked up with that are good people in Boston, clnsmedia.com
1: Yeah, check them out. They have a bunch of podcasts other than ours that are worth checking out.
0: We'd like to thank our sponsor this week as well, uh, Skillshare. And uh, before you know it, it's going to be time to leave out the... uh, the the, the uh, I don't know if you're leaving out sherry for Santa or some cookies or milk or whatever you want to do, uh, or a little carrot for Rudolph and the reindeer, but your bomb, your <laughs> bomb preloaded. Exactly. Here you go, Santa. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <h-huh>
0: <h-huh> uh, but anyway, um, we'll see you in two weeks. Merry Christmas and happy New Year. No, and happy holidays and all that other stuff.
1: Later.